Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Folks, 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. What does that mean? The session begins right now. Oh, I'm fizz. I am fizz. I walked in this morning and I looked at Daniel McCarty and I said, have you got a haircut? He hadn't. He hadn't had a haircut. It was just his facial expression, the excitement. A little bit of a no, tan. You don't pay any attention, Grant. You don't pay any attention. Trim the beard? No. Yeah, the beard has been trimmed. The haircut was at least two weeks ago. Are we, are we the best-looking radio hosts in the country? Well, I, 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 I don't like to fly in the face of public opinion, but you're probably right. We, we've got to be. W- what a way there to annoy New Zealand to start their Saturday morning. Produced by the even better looking Ben Francis, the oh. editor of the, uh, the Munnet. And look at him. He is just fizz. He was at the darts, I heard. I hope we can get footage of him because there were some real lizards at that, that event. In the... In the crowd, dancing, throwing their pints around. It must have been absolute mayhem, the darts in Hamilton. It's probably a dry city now, Hamilton. <laughs> it would be. There. Yeah, not by choice, but by the fact that it's just been drunk dry. It's like when the British Lions go through. I think it was Wellington, wasn't it? They drunk Wellington dry. Fantastic. I uh, hope you're sporting um, not too bad a headache uh, for those uh, listening on SCNZ in the Hamilton, who were at the darts last night. Yeah, uh, we'll get we'll get the verdict on the night from um, you know New Zealand's foremost darts expert, also a producer of this uh, program, Ben Francis. A little bit later, as far as what's coming up on the show, well, plenty as you would expect. We've got the uh, the best of um, our reverence, I, I guess. Some quality guests, some quality segments. We've got some live horse racing too. I think beats live sport. Uh, that is all to come over the next three hours, including we certainly do hope you. Uh, our number is 0800 You can text us on double eight, double three. Love to, to get your verdict on the week that has been. Uh, Grant Elliott, good week, bad week for you? Um, yeah, just an indifferent week, I guess. Like there, there hasn't been a heck of a lot of sports. There's been things going on overseas. I guess we're in... We're in sausage season. We're in rugby season, aren't we? Hotland, NPC. We've got the, are they called the Los Pumas uh, tonight, which is probably the big talking point, which we'll be chatting about later. Um, but, yeah, it's probably, um, obviously, England are playing against South Africa in the Test Series, and then there was the announcement of uh, the Black Caps squad to be playing Australia soon. So there's a little bit coming on. I guess I'm looking forward to the cricket season. 
there's going to be a lot of cricket coming up. Um, you know, with India touring New Zealand, Pakistan and Bangladesh in a tri series, which will be interesting in Christchurch, um, and Sri Lanka, uh, and England will be arriving. So exciting to to see where I'll be during the summer for a little bit of commentary, and we may even have some commentary here in SCNZ like we always do. Been commentating a number of sports and doing it very well. Yeah, we're looking forward to being able to bring you that uh, series uh, between New Zealand and Australia. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, I, I think that the frenzy will probably pick up over the next week or so for it. There is something special when New Zealand and Australia do uh, uh, meet. We, being the younger brothers, of course, um, probably uh, get a little bit more excited uh, about it than our, our dear neighbours across the divide. Well, I'm, I'm getting a little bit competitive because I heard that with the commentary we may be mixing with Australians um, across the Tasman. How do you think we'll get along? I don't think we'll get along that well. Do you think we'll get along as well as we get along? Well, if we're commentating together. But the thing is, is that we're not going to be in the same studio, so you can actually have real niggle because you're not face-to-face. <laughs> it's almost like a keyboard warrior, isn't it? So you're saying when you're in the studio with people, you're not completely genuine? Well, you know, yeah. you're in striking distance, so you have to be a bit civil. But then when you're not in the same studio, I think it might be slightly different. Oh, brilliant stuff. That, uh, that is all still to come. As far as uh, what interviews uh, you can enjoy, uh, Robert Van Royen, a rugby writer, is going to join us uh, later this hour to talk about the All Blacks up against uh, the Pumas. Uh, looking forward to that one, uh, especially speaking to him. What are you expecting? What are you wanting from the All Blacks? And our listeners can answer this question, 0800-150-811. Marked improvement from uh, Nelspleth to Johannesburg. You're up against uh, the Pumas who, you know, 99 times out of 100, you expect the All Blacks to win. Um, You know, a year or two ago, it was 100 times out of 100. Um, They have had recent success, of course, uh, under the tenure of uh, Ian Foster. What are you wanting to see from the All Blacks? I guess... There's been talk about this potentially being our third loss in a row in New Zealand um, and to avoid that. So first and foremost, so a, just a win. win. Not a no, big no, no. win. You're not being greedy these days. No, no, no. One, one win hasn't... No, we, we have to win in a certain way. So I think everyone feels that um, the general consensus is that the forward pack, tight five, looks much improved. The defence looks improved. I think the eyes are on the attack, attacking side of it. Joe Smith obviously coming in and seeing what the All Blacks have in store for us. I think we'll win, um, but it's how we want to win. And I wanted to see that attacking flair as uh, Justin Marshall, who was on our show every hour um, in the morning during the winter, said that (laughs) razzle-dazzle. He likes razzle-dazzle. And I I do. I want to see flair. I want to see entertaining rugby. Um, And I think that's how we've always won it. But maybe we've and of course I'll have a crowd that will be fully behind the All Blacks, no, oh, no matter what happens, right? Be silently they'll be, watching. They'll be completely behind the All Blacks down in Christchurch, <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, I, I, I quite like the fact they've picked the same team too. You know, build some combinations. Um, you know, lots of changes have been frequent uh, from test to test over the last few years. Uh, be interesting to see if they can build um, off what they uh, did at Alice Park. Our number is 0800-150-811. Mikey. Good morning. Morning, Mikey. Uh, the aforementioned Christchurch. Good morning, mate. 
Of course we're going to be behind the All Blacks from Christchurch. Always. Oh, my tongue coaches. was poking through my cheek there, to be fair, Mikey. <laughs> you mean I only the... I believe a freaking word of that. <laughs> only, only the Canterbury players that play for the All Blacks, though, Mikey. Isn't that right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. If you put the black jersey on, then you represent us, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, um, what I'm wanting though, from, from this test is... Uh, that, that first um, South African test, I was remember I was really buzzing for it, and then afterwards I was so yep. deflated. And then the second test, I was looking through sort of my hands over my eyes, and all of a sudden, this incredible performance. Um, I just want to see more of the same. I want to see this improvement that gets, keeps being talked about. So that's what I want to see. I think the um, ultimately, you know, we if we don't improve, the pressure goes back on Foster. So this is what we have to see, right? Um, back on the cricket, um, looking at these future tours coming up, we're not going to get too much cricket. I think we're getting a bonanza this season um, with those teams coming over. But the future stuff doesn't look very grim. So I encourage everybody to get out and see our boys play the cricket because not much is happening after this season from what I can see. Well, well Mikey, you're going to have an absolute, um, you know, a great time in Christchurch because you've got that uh, that triangular, don't you? Where there's a few T20s oh. and uh, you're going to have Pakistan and Bangladesh there. And I can't think of the last time we had a triangular in um, in New Zealand. Outstanding. And what a ground to go to as well. That's a beautiful place to go. So, yeah, very much looking forward to it. You, I, I, when you say a lack of cricket, are you talking about marquee cricket rather than actual cricket here, that, that you feel this coming summer, the big names, uh, the big ticket items are yeah, in the, the next big, sort of the six tic- months or so. Yeah, so the big ticket items are coming. I mean, India and England, that's, that's fantastic. And we Huge. you know get to play a bit of Australia the one-day stuff. But the future stuff, because I was reading in The Guardian, they're talking about that the, the big three play each other something like twice every 18 months. But everyone else basically gets nothing when it comes to playing those teams. Um, which is, I think, appalling. They they talk about the death of Test cricket. Um, well, those three countries are responsible for it because ultimately the, the the minnows, which is you know us and West Indies and Pakistan and all those other great teams, hardly get to play them anymore. And I think that's that's terrible. Yeah, it's just it's broadcast rights, Mikey. They they all they well, like... the golden rule, isn't it, Grant? He who has the gold makes the rules. Um, but I, I don't think we can finance a lot of nations to play as much test cricket as those nations. They, they can afford it, right? A lot of nations yeah, can't true. lose money on test cricket. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But but ultimately, then test cricket dies, doesn't it? Because if, if there's only three nations playing, then people just get bored and it's like, we don't, just don't want to see those teams mm. playing each other all the time. And then the other countries just lose interest. And then this is exactly why 2020 is going to become bigger and one-day cricket. Anyway, that's just... Yeah, there were... There, there was no, no, a time. No, I, think it, I think it's fair enough to, to think like that. Yeah, there was a time, Mikey, when it was South Africa, India, England, and Australia got together, and they they said, "Well, let's just play each other as much as many times as we can," because they knew what you want to do is you want to play against India. Playing against India now in this summer is going to subsidise New Zealand cricket for the next four years, and if you can get as many Indian tours um, in your schedule. Well, that, that puts you in a pretty handsome place as an um, association. Hey, Mikey, thanks for letting us off. I want to take you back to your original point um, about the All Blacks Argentina. Are you 100% guaranteeing a win? I, I'd just like to know the psyche of New Zealand rugby fans. Considering where they were like two or three weeks ago, 
to just one win against the box. How much has that changed? Uh, is there any way in your mind you can see them losing? Yep, absolutely. I'm hearing a lot about, like, oh, we're going to pace the Argentinians, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, hang on, hang on. These guys are pretty... City on, fellas! I listened to David Kidwell's um, interview with Smithy, which was fantastic. And, and they, they're not afraid of us any longer. Um, mind you, I also listened to Jason Ryan's interview the other day. and So I'm a little bit more confident. I don't think we're going to pace them. I mean, we have the potential to pace them. But ultimately, I think, you know, I mean, I've learned a long, long time ago to not get too cocky about the All Blacks because it has smashed me in the face too many times. Um, so I, I think we will win. But if we lose, it wouldn't surprise me either. So I'm not really sure what that says, but yeah. You going? You going tonight? No, can't afford that, mate. <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. You're not, you're not alone, mate. Uh, quite pricey, yeah. but it's great to see the All Blacks back in Christchurch. What has it been, six years or something extraordinary? That That is a long, long yeah. time uh, to and not play in a centre, which really has been season. the hotbed of New Zealand rugby as far as quality results over over a decade or so. Louis Herman Watt's probably just driven off the road hearing me say that. Uh, M- Mikey, Mikey, should we be worried about this Pumas team who devoured a whole lamb, had 60 to 70 <laughs> chorizo sausages, around 50 kilograms of beef and 20 kilograms of chicken and pork. Gee, I hope they don't they, get gout. They devoured 170 kilograms of meat in Christchurch yeah. prior to this test yeah. match. That we, we should because I've been to Argentina and I've had that kind of food and I felt like Superman afterwards. So, yes, we should be worried. <laughs> Good on you, Mikey. Have a great day. Appreciate uh, appreciate you calling in. Our number is 0800 That's a lot of meat. <laughs> That's a lot of meat. Could you say those numbers again? Yeah, so it was 170 kilograms weighs, of meat. A whole lamb, which weighs what? 25 to 30 kilos. 60 to 70 chorizo sausages, 50 kilograms of beef, and 20 kilograms of chicken and pork. So there weren't too many veg- vegetarians. All meat diet. It's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> it's just meat. Lads. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm as 0800 Feel free to join us. Um, while you are giving us a call, the lines are open. You get through right now, by the way. Um, let's uh, get to the sporting news overnight. We like to kick off things um, as we, or as you start your sporting Saturday. Uh, we look at editor at large. The uh, sporting stories you may want or you may have missed out on. Many All Blacks fans have been calling for Callum Grace uh, to be added to the squad, uh, but his hopes of wearing the All Blacks jersey um, in 2022 might be in serious doubt after the number eight was uh, forced off the field in the first half of his side's 52-20 win over Tasman and Blenheim with a suspected shoulder injury. Grace left the field 22 minutes in at Lansdowne Park, clutching his left arm in the jersey. Meanwhile, uh, a a Waikato rather have piled on more pressure onto Manawatu. How's Staffy doing today? G'day, Staffy. How you going, mate? Uh, 53 points to six in the Tron. I think both of them sit top of their conferences, do they? Uh, The NRL, let's go there. Just one more week remains for suffering New Zealand Warriors fans, especially our producer, uh, Ben Francis. I I was going to enter them into our little good week, bad week uh, thing that we will get into a little bit later, good week, bad week. Uh, was it a bad week? Well, when you concede 40-odd points, I'm just going to call it a weak system. It's kind of normal at the moment, unfortunately. The Warriors have been um, you know, quite leaky. No, they 46 points to 12 lost to the Penrith Panthers last They can't come into it, the Warriors. We no, just well, they're not, they haven't had a good week. week. They haven't had a bad week. They've just had a week. 
They're just in the middle. A Warriors week. A There's Warriors a good week. good week, a bad week, and a consistent yeah. week, which is a Warriors week. Yeah, well, it's like Everton. I'll I put guess. Everton in that sort of week. I guess they're consistent. Um, they've conceded over 40 points again. Uh, 46 uh, points to 12. That's right, the Warriors slumping to the 17th loss of the season, leaking eight tries. Uh, yet another heavy loss. Uh, they play their final game of the season uh, next Saturday against the Gold Coast Titans in Auckland. Meanwhile, the Sydney Roosters charged towards the NRL playoffs. I continue with an 18-14 win over the Melbourne Storm, their seventh straight. To motorsport, a Kiwi Liam Lawson has completed his first taste of Formula One race weekend in a rain-disrupted free practice session uh, before the Belgian Grand Prix. Grant Elliott knows uh, all about this, being New Zealand's leading uh, Formula One expert. As part of uh, Red Bull's junior driver program, the 20-year-old took the place of Pierre Gasly for Alpha Tori um, in his first practice session of the year. Uh, to, to cricket, sublime centuries from Ben Stokes and Ben Folks. No, they're not the same people. They are quite different. <laughs> uh, gave England a complete control of the second test against South Africa after day two. Uh, Stokes' first 100 as captain and the keeper Folks uh, first at home took England to 415 for nine, declared first innings lead of 264. Uh, the Yarpies were 23 without loss at the close of play. Well, they should be fresh, the English players. They lost in under three days. Yeah. But well, the bowlers will be very fresh. But, and Baz did say, strap in for the ride. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a proper roller Well, he coaster. hasn't been a boring game. No. I'll, I'll give them that. And finally, to darts we go. And Caden Milne scored a major upset in his debut on the uh, New Zealand Darts Masters with um, a stunning come from behind win over history-making uh, Fallon Sherrick uh, last evening. The 22-year-old recovered from 5-3 down and survived a match start to win 6-5 and reached the quarterfinal in Hamilton's uh, Globox Arena, uh, where he'll face world... Number four, Michael Smith. Um, ben can give us a little update uh, later. To Dean we go. Good morning, Dean. Welcome to the show. Dino. How are you going, guys? All right? We are great, mate. We are great. Uh, you're waiting with bated breath for both games today. The curtain raises the mighty Otago are going to go up there and have a crack at their bit of dirt eating park. That'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the mighty Otago. Targa. How are you feeling about that? I can't stand them, mate. I'm a Southlander, but what a what a what a game last <laughs> Sunday! Hey, once again, Jim, is, is, is that the worst? But before you go any further, is that the worst possible? You know, the Otago playing Auckland. Does it get any worse for you, Dean? Yeah, yeah. So bloody All Blacks lose to Argentina. That'd be worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where are you on the on the on the panicometer on that front? Oh, jeez. Mate, honestly, I'm not sold that we've got it right just yet, you know? Like, I mean, I love the game like every other bloke that loves the game. Yes. I'm not sold on Sam Kane at all. For me, five missed tackles, four bumped off the ball, no turnovers. That's not even a number seven NPC level, but that's not what I run for. Back in, um, I heard you talking about that South African feed. No, I'm drawling at the news, and I've seen it on the news like every red card of my And that wasn't it good to see them enjoying themselves, first and foremost. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. We see the All Blacks eating bloody wheat bakes. Come on. <laughs> Get amongst the meat barbecue and all meat barbecue, Dino. Didn't the Crusaders do that before the final? And and they had, they had those massive steaks and one of the front rowers, I think it might have been Ollie Jaeger, ate two of them. Oh, gee. Yeah, yeah. What a legend. Uh, I'll go back to the memory banks and you guys will know this. Back in 1991, there was, one, there was a fabulous Pacific team once. The Manu Samoa team at the World Cup. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And they made I the do. Finals, they made the quarterfinals against Scotland, and the great Ian McGeekin played one of the master strokes. He checked out of the five-star Scottish restaurant probably at Edinburgh Castle, 
and put a Scottish team in the army barracks where Samar was supposed to go. But the Scottish castle had a 24-7 buffet restaurant. Now, when Scotland <laughs> got to that game against Samar, it's in Peter Fetty Loper's book, God bless him. He said they were buggered, like they just ate themselves to a stand. But back in the amateur days, even in a World Cup, you see that. Your eyes are popping out of your head, Dean. You're going back to the buffet, aren't you? Repeatedly. I, I can't criticise them for something I would have done. I probably would have been leading the charge for the boys. Yeah, back then, we all were, because we had to buy a tucker. Now they're told what to eat, you know? I remember, I remember old Frank Bunce's book, a wild little son as well. Frank was struggling. And how often did he struggle? Not even with Mark Brawl in front of him, but it is what it is. But, um, he said to Walter Little, he said, what's going on, mate? You're still fit as a fiddle. He said, I've got no energy, all this pasta and nutrition. And Walter looked him in the eye, good on him. And he goes, what's on about? And he goes, well, this bloody diet. He goes, what diet? He said, I haven't changed the bloody thing. Walter Little, one of my very favourites. What an absolute champ. Good on you, Dean. Enjoy, mate. Appreciate Thanks, your Dean. time. It's okay. 20 minutes worry, after 10 o'clock. No, I, I'll take your word for that. Our number is 0800 We love talking sport with you no matter what the topic. You can always set the agenda. We will take a short break, though. We're going to dig a little bit deeper on this uh, All Blacks Argentina tester shortly. Uh, stay with uh, Rob Van Royen. going to join us, Rugby Rights uh, um, and stuff. Stay with us. This is the Saturday session. Grant Elliott is here. I'm Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is our producer and voice of reason and darts expert. Good week, bad week, Grant. Good week. Uh, good week for Buller. Buller won their first game in the Heartland Championship in well over a thousand days. Wow! Is that does that give Virat Kohli a bit of hope? Because he's at a thousand and ten days now. He can take inspiration last... from what happened at Westport when Buller beat Mid Canterbury thirty-four points to twenty-nine. Congratulations to Buller! I, I wonder what the party's like when you haven't won in over a thousand days. Uh, I... What was attendance at work like on Monday? I'd like to know. I did kind of experience it when we had fifteen losses in a row in ODIs. And when you win, it's it's a relief. Did you play all fifteen? You can't celebrate it. No, I didn't. I didn't actually. <laughs> I didn't. I like to think they would have made one or two changes over those fifteen games. <laughs> fifteen. That's a lot of losing. It was a lot. Yeah, and it took a long time to get that win. But it's almost a relief. It's a relief. Uh, I'd also like to raise, as far as the bad week, um, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, the African uh, country Benin. Um, if I have got that wrong, I, I, I do apologise. Um, I'm outraged by this. I'm outraged by this story, Grant. Um, Benin's uh, football side are changing their team nickname to the Cheaters. That's a nice name. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's all right. There's a lot of cheaters out there. But but they're changing their, their, their team nickname from the Squirrels. No. The, the Benin Squirrels are now becoming the Benin Cheaters. Um, the new name will be intimidating to opponents, according to former international Emmanuel uh, Imaru. The proposed switch is currently awaiting approval by uh, the West African country's government. Calling us the squirrels was not really scary for our opponents, <laughs> he told BBC Sport Africa. Cheetahs are feared, but also classy animal with some charisma. Oh, that's a slight. That's outrageous. What's wrong with squirrels? They're uh, versatile. They're sturdy. They're, those claws for grasping and climbing. Do you know squirrels can climb uh, down a tree head first? And they do so by rotating their ankles 180 degrees. How amazing is that? 
They've also, they've got a bite force of around 7,000 pounds per square inch. For comparison, most humans have the bite force around 500 PSI. They've got 7,000 PSI. Like other rodents or squirrels, incisors grow constantly throughout their lives. Exactly. They haven't done their research, no, have they? they have not. So, some, if I see something whose ankles rotate 180 degrees, I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared at that. Exorcist. Ex- sort of stuff. I actually watched The Exorcist last night, bizarrely. <laughs> Maybe that's in my mind. Um, so, and, and I'll wrap off uh, my version of Good Week, Bad Week. Good Week for Seattle Mariners centre fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio, you ask, is he? You probably don't know. He's a rookie, but he has signed a contract extension grant. As uh, you can now ponder the bad life decisions you made being an international cricketer, uh, he has signed a contract with 120 million US over eight years. But on top of that, there is uh, a, an option. Basically for his uh, team to decide whether or not to effectively re-extend him for a further eight or ten years. Uh, there are provisos um, based on uh, performances, how he goes in MVP voting uh, throughout um, the contract's first seven years. If he hits all those markers, though, Grant, that would push the contract to an 18-year deal worth $470 million U.S. dollars. Oh, that's LIV style. Nearly half a billion bucks. <laughs> guy who hits a ball. There'll be a couple of board meetings, I think, discussing this. Nothing wrong with the world, is there? No. There's nothing wrong with the world. Similar to your paycheck for SENZ. $470 million for a guy who hasn't even played a full season. It's crazy, yeah. It is crazy. Uh, uh, I will follow that with great interest over the next decade. Uh, we will take a break. It's 28 minutes after 10 o'clock. Grant's good week, bad week, a little bit later. Uh, we will take a break and talk Argentina. And the All Blacks up next. Time is 27 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Gee, we've become fans of squirrels, haven't we? Big fan of you're, you're squirrels. You're a big fan. Of, you're, you're, you're as outraged as I am. I'm all over it now. They Why did change? not do their research. They did not. The, the squirrel is a highly underrated animal. But also highly they, underrated. They changed it to the cheetah, right? Yes. But the cheetah is not very aggressive as a, as a predator. It, it's sort of fast and... It's like Usain Bolt, very fast and doesn't race all that often. But it catches small mammals. You know, it's not like the leopard that actually actually carries an impala up a tree. Yeah. You feel like if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you could get attacked by a leopard. I don't feel like I'd be attacked by a cheetah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start researching <laughs> cheetah and see what their strengths are. Fair enough. And I'm sending you this article about okay. squirrels. Okay, wonderful stuff. Are, are you gonna pay um, any part of our our next interview? Because we've got our guest on the line who's hopefully hasn't nodded off after our chat about um, squirrels v. cheetahs. This is an important interview, this, because we had Dean on the phone earlier who wasn't sure where the All Blacks would sit tonight. Uh, Robert Van Royen uh, joins us. Did I pronounce that correctly? I... Van Royen, perfect. Uh, hey, Rob, how are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, morning, guys. Good, thanks. Squirrels. You've got you've, thoughts on squirrels? It's outrageous, Ben <laughs> Benin's changing its uh, nickname from squirrels to cheetahs, right? This, we can't stand for this. <laughs> Well, I was having a bit of a chuckle, to be fair. It was far from nodding off. I'll let you guys carry on that squirrel <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right. What's at stake tonight? And I, and I know that it might come across a little bit glib. There's a test match. I understand that. But considering the win in South Africa, the public backing, uh, I guess, you know, if we're in football terms, we could say it's the dreaded vote of confidence from the board, so on and so forth. But what's at stake for the All Blacks tonight? Well, I mean, quite simply, they, they need to win, I think. You know, they, just, they want to keep the hounds away. They need to win. But I think they don't just need to win. Probably the way 
they they perform and win as well. Um, you know, the, the attack's been mostly clunky. Obviously, there were some good improvements in Johannesburg a fortnight ago. And but you know, you look at the Irish series and the first test against South Africa and Mbala, You know, the attack's been far from what fans would be accustomed to seeing of the All Blacks over the years. Um, and you know, Joe Schmidt's obviously on board full time now. You know, there's a, I don't think there's going to be any drastic changes by the sounds of things, especially not you know this early on a weekend. But I think people need to see some. Um, Need to see that. Need to see the less clunkiness, some cohesiveness, and the, you know the good news is there's finally some continuity and selection. Uh, first time in 27 tests in charge, and Foster's named the same starting 15. The only change in the 23 is injury and force with Bowden Barrett's neck. So continuity is a big one. To you know, so fingers crossed. I mean, it's it's a cracking day here at the moment. There will be some dew tonight. I think it's going to be about five degrees at yeah. kickoff. So that will play a part and potentially with some handling. Um, but yeah, as I say, I think really want to see some cohesiveness and attack. So does all the goodwill go away if they trip up? Which, you know, I might be sounding, you know, overly negative here, but it has happened in the last uh, couple of years. I think we need to be a little bit more wary of the Pumas than maybe, you know, overly confident All Blacks fans have been in the past. And I'm actually talking to myself there, Robert. Do we hand back all the goodwill <laughs> if they trip up tonight? Oh, well, yeah, I'd say so, for sure. I mean, look, they've, they've never lost to the Pumas at home. And, and to, yeah, I think the Pumas, yes. you've got to, for sure, you've got to respect them. But uh, at the same time, I do feel like, the, you know, that, that, that big win against Australia a fortnight ago, she, I mean, three at least three or four of those tries were gifted through some pretty ordinary stuff from the Wallabies. That's not a, that wasn't a flash Australian outfit. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you go back the week before that, and they were quite ordinary, the Pumas and their defeat to Australia. So, yeah, look, I mean, I th- yeah, you're right. Look, they've got to win, as I said in the, uh, the first question, and they've just got to win. And, and you're looking at that team, but they should, and I, I think they will, but I just want to see how they do it. Rob, uh, great to have you on the show. Um, you know, w- w- we always talk about the physicality, or ever since I've been on the show and we speak about the All Blacks, we've had a number of people on the show, and they say, oh, we need to show our physicality up front. Do you think that we're showing that now? And the Pumas obviously do bring a lot of physicality to the game. Yeah, well, I think well since uh, Jason Ryan came on board, there's definitely been more, more of it. And, you know, it also helps. I think the loose forwards, with Shannon Frizzell coming in at six, that sort of made it help, help out there too. But, I mean, the rolling ball... Uh, is a big one which has really improved on those a couple of games under Jace Ryan. I mean, just in fact, uh, the way the the Irish um, scored with ease on the rolling ball was was quite telling. Um, so there's been good improvements there. I think there's still work to do, Amanda, but some of the selection now around the props is, is starting to help out there. So yeah, I think we're seeing signs. But again, I mean, Jace Ryan was up yesterday and he said, look, that last test, you know, it's a clearly only one test. That's how they back it up, so you're backing it up again tonight will be a big one, and, and the Pumas have got, you know, Pablo Matera for starters, I mean, Marcos Crema the open side flanker is a weapon you know, Thomas Lavanini at lock, you know, he's a real, he's a brute of a man, and he's renowned for some real niggly stuff too, so yeah, be a good test tonight So, you mentioned continuity um, and consistency now, I, I always believe that the more consistent you are with selection, the more consistent your results. Do you think we're getting close to what's our best 15? Yeah, they're definitely um, getting... I mean, if Anton Leonard-Brown's injury aside, you know, he's, we won't be seeing him any time soon. I still think if he was fit, he would potentially be a part of the, the best um, possible midfield. I do like 
some of the signs we're starting to see out of uh, the Havili uh, Rico Awani midfield. Um, I think I think it'll be interesting what they do after this week if he just, if there's going to be more changes next. Uh, if they decide yeah, if they can do sort of three in a row with with very few changes, that'll be that'll be interesting. But it is good to see some continuity because I mean at the start of the season, Ian Foster said with an eye on the World Cup next year, they need to start settling on some combinations. I mean, the last two years, mm. it's been a real, you know, it's been a revolving door just about across the, the team. I mean, as I said, 27 tests, he hasn't had the same 15. And to be fair, even under Steve Hansen, it was very, very rare. So, um, yeah, I just can't know that it's got to start happening because there's just been too much shuffling, shuffling around the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, for sure. And it's also another important test match for... It's a very young, inexperienced uh, front row, and it, it, it's pretty obvious that's probably been an area where New Zealand has been deficient, maybe for for at least twelve months. You would say, yeah, yeah, definitely, and and, and not helped by I think a bit of a forgotten man at the moment. It's probably Joe Moody, the loose head prop that they lost him. He uh, got injured during Super Rugby, and he's he's out for the year. So, uh, and to be fair, he is probably interesting how how he comes back next year, and if he can force his way back in there. Um, it is pleasing to see Ethan De Groot. And I mean, Fletcher Newell's long been, well, sorry, for the last couple of years, I really sort of thought the sky's the future. It's probably happened a lot sooner uh, than anyone thought. And especially since, yeah, you know, they always say, you know, props take five or six. It's normally the late, you know, mid to late 20s where they start really uh, starting to peak and grow as players. But, um, yeah, and I, I do like what Samasoni Takiyaha has brought at, at hooker and um, to unseat. Cody Taylor there, and Taylor's quite a good player coming off off the bench. So um, I do like some of the changes that Ian's made in the last couple of weeks. Um, Rob, obviously we we want to see a lot of change with it in the attacking style of the the um, All Blacks, and actually see some improvement there. But how do you think the Pumas are going to approach this game? Do you think that they're going to try and beat us up front? I think they'll have a. They'll definitely uh, throw everything at them up front. It's, but they'll also. I think they'll sort of copy and paste. And they did it against the Australians a fortnight ago. And I think even though the All Blacks did handle the uh, aerial game quite well, the back three had a good game. Uh, there will be plenty of. Bo- I'm plenty of box kicking, especially if there is that Jew there tonight. Uh, you expect uh, Bertrano and Tareras to put plenty of test out the back three. Uh, interestingly, the the All Blacks have just to, to, to help negate that. Uh, kicking game, they've really put a focus, you, you, you'll probably see Scott Barrett, especially tonight, around at the ruck, getting up and putting a bit of pressure, even if he's just getting in the eye line of the, the nine, just to affect that accuracy, it only needs to be a metre off, and you know, and, and it makes the job easier for your Geordie Barrett, uh, your Will Jordans under the high ball, so I think there'll be plenty of that, but yeah, absolutely up front, when you've got guys like Pablo Matera and Lavanini, they'll crash and bash, Julian Montoya, I mean, they like a rolling mall as well, Montoya, so um, yeah, I think it'll be a bit of brute up front and and probably a lot of kicking, uh, especially if there is that duo. I mean, I don't think you're going to see the Pumas running it from in the air and half, that's for sure. Have the All Blacks been on the charm offensive? They've been out and about in Christchurch. Have they been particularly sort of present and um, obvious to people in the region? Because it is a long time since they've played in Christchurch. Yeah, it is a long time. A lot, lots, has, lots has changed here uh, in the six years since they beat South Africa, apart from the stadium. Um, still still the old rickety stadium. But, uh, well, I mean, they've been they've been out in the public a bit. Yeah, they, they you know, they were including planting some native trees and a few of those uh, 
thing in, in terms of with the media, they, they, not so much. I mean, the access hasn't. So there's you know no one-on-one interviews and all that for, for us. It's been pretty. Uh, it's been a little laying low a wee bit in that regard. But in terms of the public, yeah, I mean, look, there's a decent bunch of people there invited for the the captain's run yesterday and plenty of you know the usual autographs and all that. So I guess t- for the public, you'd say till next year. Yep. Rob, um, the Argentinians ate 170 kilograms of meat um, the other night. How do you think the All Blacks are going to cope with the meat sweats <laughs> in the scrum? <laughs> yes, I, I, is that I, a I, thing? I, that is, that is, yeah, well, they went to that uh, on the Riverside Market. There's a great Argentinian. Uh, when we Pablo Matera was there with the Crusaders, he, uh, he fell in love with that place. Currently, he was eating there once or twice a week. So, uh, yeah, he took that <laughs> And they, and they had a heck of a feast. So I can't say I've actually been to that one, but everyone, uh, everyone raves about it. <laughs> um, I'll pull this back to a somewhat serious topic. The eligibility laws in international rugby um, have bubbled to the surface again. So we're a Kubalo, a Wallaby. I thought he was an All Black, but now he's a Wallaby. In your own sort of mind, do you like where world rugby has taken us? Oh, I think, I mean, in a way, I, I do. I, mean, I really like the fact that you are seeing some of those. I mean, I guess with Kubala, it's always different because, you know, he, he was quite prominent in the All Blacks for a while. And you sort of think, geez, this doesn't sit right him as your first reaction. But then you think of, you know, Yaseta Tamani Valus, who played a handful of, of games for the All Blacks. And then, and then they, they're out in the wilderness. And you think, you know, it's a bit of a shame they could never, under the old rules, essentially play international rugby. But now, Tamani Valu is available. So. Uh, and there's many other players. So, I mean, it's, I think Ian Foster probably answered it quite well the other day. Sure, it's, it's a bit uncomfortable, but uh, it's, it's a consequence of the rule. And I think there's plenty of cases where you, you'll think, this is, this is great that this player can now, can now play international rugby again. Yeah. Because it's never been comfortable for the All Blacks, um, you know, to play a player who's played for another team uh, before. Uh, you know, I, I, and, mate, and, and we can pick holes in all, you know, every little individual case, but surely with the... You know, the small pot of international, high-caliber international team, surely, you know, having the best players available, it's got to be good for the, the game if you take a, a broader perspective. Or am I being quite romantic there, Rob, you think? <laughs> no, absolutely. I think, well, I, I, look, I'm, I'm fine with today. Like, it's not like it's a one-year standout. It's not like you're going to see someone swapping. And, and it's you're not going to, and it's going to be extremely rare where you would have uh, an all-black all of a sudden turning out for the Wallabies. You know, it, it, it's not something... And as I say, it's not a one-year standout. So, look, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, I mean, Kerbala would actually have... Australia have got some pretty good nines, to be fair. It's one, one, one part of the game they're quite strong at. I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not yeah, expecting you to see Kerbala just waltz into that side anyway. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Oh, well, Rob, um, to try and or wrap Robert. this up... I prefer Rob or Robert. Robert. I feel like we've got way too casual too Rob. soon, mate. You made us put, you, you, you put us at ease, mate. Sorry, I just thought I'd you. throw it out at Rob. Is, is, you I've, ha- got, you, I've called him Rob about four times. You happy I'm with that? Listening. Yeah, Rob? yeah. No, no, it is Rob. Yeah, Rob is, is the preferred. Well, I, I'm a and the stuff, and on the press is always Rob, but I do put punch in the full name. But yeah, Rob is what, I, what I'm called generally. Yeah. So, so, Rob, going into tonight... Prediction time. Yeah, prediction it is time. prediction time. A lot of people are sweating out there. Dean from Dunedin, he says he's not too sure. He's on the borderline. I think he wasn't confident. For yeah, there's a lot of pensive people out there. Give them hope. Let's get fired up for this game. Hope. The All Blacks are the favourites. The All Blacks will win. There you go. <laughs> Who have you got? 
Well, I was talking about trying to remember what the, the bookies was. It was, it was at one dollar eight. The All Blacks are paying head to head. I think it was seven for the Pumas. So, I mean, that spells that that they're overwhelming favourites. I don't know what the odds were in year twelve and under and thirteen. But oh, if I'm going All Blacks thirteen and plus thirteen plus yeah. for sure. Okay, Argentina at sevens. I just looked at that. So you bang on, bang on, Rob. Almost like he knows right. what he's talking about. That's why he's on the show. Robert <laughs> slash Rob, thanks so much, mate. Go read up on some squirrels. Team squirrel. Yeah, good on you. Clearly team yeah. squirrel. And, and stay tuned because I'm going to tell you about cheetahs and why they're actually rubbish. <laughs> cheetahs are rubbish. They're overrated. Thanks so much, mate. Enjoy the test match. It is 13 minutes away from 11. Back after this break. It is uh, eight minutes away from 11 o'clock. This is the Saturday session where we hit all the big talking points. Scrolls v Cheetahs. Jim writes via text. Keep your text rolling in double eight double three. Not just about this topic, any sporting topic. Uh, you so please. Uh, Jim from Tamuka. If you're wondering what we're talking about here, uh, Ben and uh, the West African countries changing their um, football team's nickname from the Scrolls to the Cheetahs, and I'm not having any of it. I'm not having it. Uh, Jim writes. I fancy my chances of survival outrunning a squirrel 10 out of 10 and will be eaten by the cheetah as I can't outrun a cat on steroids. Uh, Is is that a fair point, Grant? Well, as I listen to Jim from Tamuka, um, has a cheetah ever killed a human? And Uncle Google said uh, there are no documented records of a wild cheetah killing a human. There you go. You're fine. I, from what they, they don't eat anything bigger than a warthog. So yeah. if they're not eating pumba, don't worry about it. Spring hairs. If you're bigger than pumba, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. So you you would say quite placid. Quite placid. predators. Quite placid indeed. Yeah, and and I did find out some facts, fun facts about cheetahs. Well, the audience will determine if they're fun. Well, they built for built for speed comes with a downside. Really. Yep. They've so they're very fast, we know that. They've got oversized respiratory tract and nasal passages. So that means that they can only go top speed for 30 seconds. So their radiator goes after 30 seconds. So they're only chasing you for 30 seconds. They'll probably catch you, but they're, oh, luckily, they're not going to do anything. Luckily, I'm so fit, I can run for hours. The other thing is their numbers are decreasing, so they're probably lazy breeders. <laughs> um, they don't even like They don't even like getting the league over. Female cheetahs are loners, but males sometimes hunt in groups. That's a positive, we'd say, hunting in groups, unless it's the female yeah. cheetah team. Um, and then the other thing which I found really interesting is that most of the time, cheetahs are pretty lazy. So that also feeds into, have they done their homework over the, the squirrels versus the cheetahs? There's a lot of shade thrown on them. And I guess probably the most, the toughest factor of being a cheetah is they can't roar when they're meant to be tough. So they're silent and lazy. Well, I'm guessing they're going to meow and purr. Sort of silent and lazy and run really fast, but not all that often. Lazy breeders. Yeah, I'm not too sure um, they're particularly frightening after all. I've already told you that uh, squirrels can uh, sprint down trees head first. Not many, too, too many animals can do that. So that means when they're in the ascendancy, they'll finish strong, won't they? Mm. Uh, they'll come home with a wet sail. A wet sail. Yeah, a wet sail, absolutely. They're also quite forgetful squirrels, so if they make a mistake, if they make a defensive error, they're going to forget it. In the present. They're going to live in the moment. They're going to live in the moment. They're going to be better, they're better footballers. There's no they're very organised squirrels. Did you know that, Grant? They're very organised. Uh, a 2017 study found that uh, eastern fox squirrels uh, living in uh, the University of Berkeley's campus um, stored their nuts according to type. Oh, wow. So if there were um, walnuts over there, pecans over there, almonds over there, hazelnuts, 
great organisation, so tactically they'll be very astute no matter what formation they play. Um, and they can jump really, really far. Um, a squirrel can jump more than eight feet between a tree stump and feeding platform, propelling itself ten times the length of its body. It'll be immense in the air. They're Wonderful at set-piece, defending set-pieces and, and scoring from set-pieces. They're pieces. becoming my favourite animal. Go the squirrels. Uh, we'll talk all the very serious topics after 11 o'clock, <laughs> including sports memorabilia. Grant's got a few thoughts on that that he wants to share with you and hear from you. Stay with us. Our lines are always open. 0800 811 if you want to talk actual sport. Or text us double eight double three. It is 11 a.m. This is the Saturday session. I'm Daniel McCarty. He is... Grant Elliott. Yeah. I'm here. I'm right. here. Yeah. And present. Surprise. Living in the moment like a squirrel. Well, I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying the chats. It's taken a whole different direction since you mentioned the, the change of names. And we don't want to harp on it, but squirrel is becoming one of my favorite animals of all time. Learning a lot on this show. But into my good week, bad week. Yes. I'm going to say my good week, Ian Foster, he stayed out of the news. It's all been positive. And NZIU, there's been no real controversy around... Their marketing, it's their media, a, their communication, it's been quite silent. So a week say, of respite. Yeah, good, uh, a good week. And no another news good week. is good news. Excellent, yeah. Although sometimes they say all press is good press, but I don't think that was the case. The other good news, um, or a good week, was Ben Francis, who went to the darts. I want to hear from uh, how that experience was in the Tron. You want to you hear about how, how much of a lavish time I had living it up in Hamilton? Yes, I want to hear about this darts uh, festival. All right, so the New Zealand Darts Masters back in town after three long years, and it was it was just incredible to be part of. It's, it's been a long wait for myself. Uh, I met most of the players uh, earlier this week when they came into our office, and that was really cool. And then just did you be- fanboy it up a bit? Oh, I did. I, I told one. I, I said I was starstruck, and then one of the guys saw me last night and is like, "Oh, you're the guy that was starstruck, weren't you?" He asked me if I still was as well, which was quite cool. Uh, wow. Uh, listen to this. Uh, a highlight from the night, actually. Uh, I had my partner with me, and I was interviewing Michael Van Gerwen, and he looked at me, and he said, have you married her yet? And I said, no, nah, we're engaged. And he said, well, you're stupid, aren't you? Well, he's a smart boy. Uh, nice and direct, the Dutchman. <laughs> Take that um, advice on board, I'd say. Yeah. So, so you're moving things up as a result? Are you going to uh, elope? Well, upping, the, upping the ante? Yeah, well, have to. Mate, why the... don't you do something really corny, like get married at the last Warriors home game of the season? Or oh. on SENZ Saturday sesh. Yeah. Oh, no. This is, this is taking a turn I wasn't hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, being at the darts was great. Um, the atmosphere was as good as it's ever been. There were some high-quality darts, 3,000 people in the crowd. And as Daniel touched on and our editor at large, uh, seeing young Caden Milne, who... I'd say the majority of New Zealand wouldn't have heard of until last night uh, getting a win. wasn't anything pretty, but he did what he did to, did to need to do Sorry, to get the win. And uh, the crowd was just loving it. Uh, so great and just happy for him as well. Yeah, you, you could see, and I watched a clip of uh, you know him winning the match overall and the time he was taking between darts, um, you, you could tell it was a really big moment for the guy. He was trying to gather himself, you know, a lot of those darts players are extraordinary at the pace for which they can play. But when the crowd's roaring, you know, Grant, you know this better than all of us combined. You oh, know, the <sighs> adrenaline, yeah. the anxiety, that, that's what and separates. Must have been shaking. Yeah, and that's what separates the good players from the, the average ones, I guess, is the ability 
when they feel that pressure to um, use the tools at their disposal to clear the mind and just pretend they're in their local pub playing darts. Well, it's quite incredible because I was I was up quite close to the stage and he was shaking like crazy. I don't know how well that came across on TV. And just the thing of having that composure up there with the crowd, how loud it was. The TV doesn't do it any justice in terms of how loud it actually is in there. I, if I know it was me, I'd be such a nervous wreck up there. It wouldn't be funny. Please tell me that they played that song. What's the tune? Sing it again. What's the? I'm not sure. It's the Darth theme. Sing it again. Well, I know I know what you mean, Grant, but I don't think that tune is correct. It's slightly slightly off, but yeah, now they play it. They play it all the time whenever at the end the game. So that's usually what gets the crowd going, uh, along with all those big shots. And when you got lots of the fan favourites out there as well, uh, whenever the Kiwi boys are up on the stage, whether it was Caden or even when Ben Rob was up on the stage against number world number one girl and Price, the crowd was just getting right into it. And that's just what you love to see. You just love to see the the crowd and that atmosphere, especially cheering on our Kiwi boys. Well, have you, have you got any sp- memorabilia? Did you get score any memorabilia? Uh, no, I haven't. That will be my task ahead of tonight. Uh, I think I've made quite a few good uh, friendships with a couple of them, so I'm going to try pull a few strings Oh, you're now tonight. friends with them? Oh, yeah. You're now friends with them? Yeah. Oh, you, you're mates? Well, we'll get one of them on the phone now. You're well, mates. <laughs> well, I don't have phone numbers, but they're, they're, they're all coming. So you're not mates? Well, they're all coming up to me, all right? So it's not like I'm going, I'm going oh, my God, it's you. They're, they're actually coming up to me. They're shaking my hand. Have, have, you, have you ever seen the movie with Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro, the fan? Uh, no. You've got these shades of, shades of this coming through. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of memorabilia. Well, that, that was a good week. That was a good week. A, we are going to get to memorabilia straight after I tell you about my bad week. The person that I think has had a bad week is Nick Curios. Fan who Nick Curios said was drunk out of her mind during the Wimbledon final is taking legal action against the Australian tennis player. During the match, Curios said, she's distracting me when I'm serving in a Wimbledon final. She is drunk out of her mind in the first row, speaking to me in the middle of the game. So kick her out. I know which one she is. It's the one who looks like she has had about 700 drinks. She's talking to me in the middle of the point every time I get the ball. So but she's suing him? <laughs> what? She's, she's taking legal How? action on him. Why? Explain. She feels that he has defamed her and her family because she hadn't had 700 drinks and she wasn't that drunk. But, but and I, she was I, I know you're out. supposed to drink responsibly these days, but surely if you can drink 700 drinks, you're... You were superhuman. She said, I hope that Mr. Curious will reflect on the harm he has caused me and oh. my family and offer a prompt resolution to this matter. What harm? However, if he's unwilling to do so, I'm committed to obtaining vindication in the High Court. This is opportunistic, is it not, Grant? Well, yeah. well it strikes me as that. Granted, I don't know anything of, um, you know, what actual harm may or may not have been caused. Well, so maybe I should not rush to judgment. Yeah, even maybe. though I clearly just have. Yeah, maybe she yeah, was a recovering alcoholic who wasn't drinking. Maybe she was sober. Okay. Who the voice I heard did not sound particularly sober. <laughs> and it was Wimbledon. We yeah, know that. We've been to London. It can get out of hand. Shepherd's Bush walkabout, which Pims. is no longer. Yeah, Pims. Pims. <laughs> we- Twelve of those. It didn't do anything. I just had a sugar rush. <laughs> No alcohol in those pims in Wimbledon. Maybe, maybe you need to have seven hundred pims. <laughs> yeah, to get in uh, in that state. Um, hey, maybe that um, will be her momento from her time at Wimbledon. But memorabilia. Yeah, you were asking about memorabilia. Um, and what I'd like to know from the listeners today is what 
what sort of memorabilia do you have gathering dust at home that you think is a family heirloom almost? That, Why that, did you get thinking about this? Because you've, I, been, you've I, been peppered a lot in the last few I've weeks. I've been peppered this week asking for memorabilia for auction items. And I, I really... Do you I, have it in the garage? <laughs> do you have, do you have, are you running out? I used to. Are you running out? I am running out of shirts. So everyone asked for shirts, and that's the most embarrassing thing ever. So I did a breakfast once auction, and they said, "Oh, can you bring a, a shirt?" And I always roll my eyes, and I'm like, "Oh, this is so embarrassing, bringing one of my shirts." And at a breakfast, no one's really, you know, lubricating the throats. It's not very festive, you know. You're baking an egg, and it's quite a somber affair. And they're like, "Grant, can you?" Do you mind standing up oh. and walking the shirt around? And right. I was like, oh, no. So I did. And they started, you know, the auction. Let's start the auction at uh, $250. Do I have Silence. 50? Silence. Yeah. Okay. 75 you know. And you're just, <laughs> you're dying inside. $8. <laughs> A Pims and lemonade. $8.50 for <laughs> me. Yeah, $8.50 be in front. And that's all he's got. He's given you everything he's got. We'll throw. And we all know how much Ben Francis does not want to give you money. No, I know. Considering how much does he owe you, Ben? $120. (laughs) No, but I just, I gave you the shirt this year, and that's worth at least, well. $8.50. Five sounds. We've got a bit of (laughs) $8.50. So, anyway, it got me thinking about the auction items. I have Liverpool's championship winning team all signed with a certificate. But you're an Everton fan. Given to my youngest son, ah, who right. supports Liverpool. Oh, I'm glad he came on the right side. My dad had a, an Ian Botham whiskey bottle out of a cricket bat, I remember. I'm not too sure if he still got that, which was almost, that must be 20, 30 years ago he got that collector's item of, I think, a 1,000 were made. Um, and then my current best item, best two, I think Viv Richards. I've got a Viv Richards signed photo of him celebrating the quickest 100 when it was the qu- quickest 100. Black and white photo. Against a real team, hey, Macca. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Only Australia, he got his 100 again. Only. And then probably my my best item at the moment is the World Test Championship scorecard replica Ooh. signed by all of the New Zealand team. Are we are we it's, World Test champions still? We've got I'd, the mace. Right, the mace right. just landed in Wellington and is at the new museum, the new refurb museum. Fantastic. So you're... That's your that's your prime sporting piece of memorabilia. I think so because there's only been one World Test Championship, one World Test Championship winning team. There's a there's a space on the wall here. The only problem is, is I don't have Kane's signature. Oh, it's only a matter of time, right? But well, the elbow's a bit dodgy. Maybe you can't do it. But hopefully, I can. Kane, if you're listening, I know you are a big fan of the show. That you are. Hold out. Can you hold out? Can you just keep keep Elliot on his toes? So you want to know from the listeners what their favourite bit of sporting memorabilia yeah. is? Yeah, and do they have something that they think is just, you know, would Pride and joy. fly at an auction? And, and do, what's the security like? Are, are they behind, <laughs> are they in a safe? Yeah. Are, are they well protected? Are they in a damp room, a dry room? Well, do you I, keep yours? Oh, well, I, no. As so I'm, tr- I've got as a, I'm truly, clearly trying to stake out his joint. I've got a suitcase, which is an old, you know, a cricket coffin? Mm-hmm. And that's got all of... So every bat that I scored a memorable hundred with um, is in that, that bag. So my first ever first class hundred, I've got that bat. First ever ODI hundred, um, and I got, only got two, um, is in there. Um, a cricket stump, which is the world record between me and Ronke, a world record six-wicket partnership is in there. A few medals. That's really cool. Shirts. 
um, the first ever uh, New Zealand black cap shirt with Aotearoa, <laughs> Aotearoa on. Did I say that correctly? Well, you got kind of it right. Yeah. Um, so that's quite a special uh, bit of memorabilia. And then I have a signed World Eleven shirt with Shane Warne's signature on, actually. Who else? Uh, Mutai Lutheran, wow. Guy Waldina. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good one as well. It is pretty darn good. I'm okay. not going to tell you where I live because you might. Oh, I know where you live. <laughs> so, so do I. And I've, and I've staked out the joint of my mind already. <laughs> I know your family's movements. I know when you're in and out. Uh, I'm guessing it's only going to take me 10, 15 minutes to get in. And it's neatly packed up in a coffin. So thank you for that. Uh, I know to what to look forward to. You pick it. up the coffin exactly, and go. mate. You, you have no idea of the family I married into. Um, uh, look, they'll be going through the windows right now. Uh, ben Francis, I, I want to know your, the sporting memorabilia um, that you want from if you can fanboy it up on the last night of the darts, what are you seeking? I, out of all the players that are there, I would love, uh, I would love a, like a match worn shirt. I, that's something that I haven't really got too much of a possession of. So if I had to pick one player, I'd probably say uh, Dimitri Vandenberg is probably one of my favorite players. Uh, ben Rob did okay. give, Ben Rob did give me one of his game worn shirts too, uh, which was quite nice of him. Uh, <laughs> As well, I do have I do have that, but yeah, just a piece of game worn memorabilia, like a signed dartboard from the final or something like that. Right, got you. Uh, someone is texting, telling us um, Nick Kyrgios is um, the the woman that is he it? is taking. Apparently, into she's a lawyer, a top, top lawyer. lawyer. Great work. Right. Yeah, he's in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, sporting memorabilia text messages double eight double three. If you want to join the show, oh eight hundred one five eight eleven. Tim, this is just, this is such a great little text. This one. This is, this is so good. I have a signed Crusaders jersey from a championship winning team. Probably not worth that much because there's probably thousands of them out there. <laughs> a humble uh, brag. That is a great humble brag, Tim. I love how he hasn't even mentioned the year. <laughs> One of how many? I've, I've lost count. Um, and world champion signed Black Sox shirt from two, 1996, 2000, and 2004. That is pretty That's cool. Good. That is what three world championship teams, a White Sox signed shirt from the Sydney Olympics, signed all white. Oh, it's just gone off the screen. That's not particularly helpful. Uh, bring it back. White Sox signed shirt from Sydney Olympics, signed all white shirt from the world champs in 2010, and bore from '82. Signed Hurricane shirt from when they won the title in Wellington when they won. Um, friend though has a signed Palais shirt Ooh. and a photo of him giving it to him. That yeah. is probably the winner at the moment, yeah. I'd say. You can top that, or if you've got something that comes close to the conversation. A signed Palais shirt with yeah, and the photo, photo of, of Palais, authenticity. Yeah, of Palais actually giving it to you. That's that's a decent one. That's, that's pretty money. Yeah, that's up there. Yeah. Uh, keep your thoughts coming through on double eight double three or 0800 It is 14 minutes after 11 o'clock. Stay with us. Back after this. Take on the Quizmaster. You're listening to The Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. And you, of course, on 0800 or text double eight double three. Grant Elliott, um, his phone has been ringing off the hook this week. People asking for free stuff. Uh, sporting memorabilia. <laughs> Free stuff. <laughs> he rattled off some of his favourite sporting memorabilia. I, I realise I've got none. It's, it's kind of embarrassing. I once got given um, signed shirts from a very famous Dutch swimmer. I don't even know what her name was from like the 50s or 60s, sort of the era of Dawn French. Dawn French. Um, 
Fraser. Yeah, you must have something. No, you must I have, I lost as a it. kid. I lost it. But you would have been feverish at the cricket grounds and sporting events, surely. Yeah. I mean, you love a sport. Yeah, but I'm tight. I don't even like buying raffle tickets. Um, unlike Brandon, let's go Brandon, who writes, have a game ball from the 1987 Rugby World Cup um, team with full all-black squad signatures. It was donated to school by Joe Stanley and won in a raffle as a schoolboy. Wow. That is very cool. What what would Brandon be prepared to separate himself from? Are you offering to buy it? Well, I... Uh, yeah, good question. How much, Brandon? Yeah. Six pack, double eight, double three. How much? Yeah. Um, Everyone's got a price. Yep. Everyone does have a price. Remember, Grant's a cricketer. He knows all about this. Speaking of cricketers, Craig Cumming. Yes. Is our text in. Good to hear from you, Craig. Can he text in through the fruit machine instead of to your personal phone? No, but we... he knows I'll definitely read it when he, <laughs> when he sends it to my personal. I have a signed Grant Elliott shirt, and he's happy to give it away. Okay, well, there you go. It's big enough to fit a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> that was when we had those really tight DEC ones. And, fitting. and lastly, someone has Ewan Chatfield's jockstrap from the game where he faced Jeff Thompson, complete with brown stains. Chocolate milkshake down there. <laughs> Let's get to basketball and talk about uh, the first professional women's basketball league in New Zealand, the uh, the debut season, which all comes to a head this weekend. Really exciting times. Uh, we, we spoke to Hugh Bainan not long ago, um, ahead of the uh, um, NBL Grand Final, talked about the, the great growth of that competition. We're delighted to hear... Um, more about this uh, competition, Sky Sports commentator, and of course, part of the SENZ uh, family, Justin Nelson, who's uh, been listening to that diatribe um, uh, about sporting memorabilia, but he's on to talk about his beloved uh, basketball. Justin, welcome back to the show. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm very well, guys. Thanks for having me. Good morning. And look, I love to chat about memorabilia. I've got a a couple of rooms full of it back in Melbourne in my house there, full of sports memorabilia from over the years. It's a, it's, it's a great topic, and you, you do unearth a lot of fascinating stories when you talk to people about memorabilia. Great stuff. Justin, what is your prized piece in your memorabilia <laughs> room? Even, the Grant, one... even Grant can't buy it off you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you see, I've said all of that just to lead to that question. I was hoping you'd go down that path. So, <laughs> uh, look, I've got... I've got a portrait, a signed portrait, um, two in fact that I'm probably you know proud of, and, and certainly their sporting achievements over the years in different fields were, were quite amazing. Sadly, uh, neither of these stars are, are with us anymore. But I've got a signed portrait of Shane Warne and a signed portrait of wow. Peter Brock, and uh, oh, yeah, wow. they probably take pride in place. Yeah. Oh, Peter, perfect. Up Mount Panorama he goes. Yeah. Well, once. <laughs> Once uh, the career does finish of one of the greats, those pieces of memorabilia obviously become that much more special, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, you, you, you do sit back and reflect on, on the career that they had in, in their chosen sport. And, you know, I just remember, you know, growing up, certainly as a, as, a, as a young person following Peter Brock and what an amazing career he had. And then obviously we all know the exploits of, uh, of Warney. Both of those gentlemen, you know, gone way too soon, but uh, they're definitely proud mementos. Yeah, wonderful topic. Keep your uh, thoughts coming in on double eight double three about your favourite sporting memento. You are proud owners of uh, Fitness Aid. And I think Justin's giving up uh, the Shane Warne or Peter Brock uh, anytime soon. Um, we turn our attention to the Tauihi uh, Basketball Aotearoa, a uh, burgeoning league, um, a big 
leap of faith, we might say, heading into the season to, to really embrace professional women's basketball. Justin, you, you, you've seen it grow. You, you've seen the season. What's your overall feelings of its debut? Oh, really proud. I mean, it's great to have professional women's basketball here now in in New Zealand. You know, I grew up with it in Australia and have been a big fan of, of the WNBL there and, and have worked in that space in the past and obviously a huge fan of the, the WNBA uh, in America. Um, it's a global sport. You know, women applying their trade in basketball all over the world. Kiwis are doing it all over the world. It's just terrific that we've now got a competition here where they can come home, international stars can come here and experience life in, in New Zealand. And, you know, pay parity for me was the one non-negotiable to get this thing up and running. And I'm just really proud of what's been achieved. And it's all going to come to a fitting climax tonight with the first ever Toihi uh, Championship up for grabs. I described it as a leap of faith, but those who know the sport better than I, like yourselves, uh, was there a real self-confidence that this was going to work from the outset, that the idea just made perfect sense? Well, I don't think a lot of people, you know, know too much about the backstory. I did write about it during the week in an article. And, you know, the whole concept of uh, this professional women's league goes back two years. And that's how long it took to, to get it together. Change is hard. Conversations about change are always hard. And I'm just really thankful that, you know, Sky Sport in particular... Um, Basketball New Zealand, GJ Gardner Homes have come on board, you know, some really good partners, Sky City and New Balance. And it is a leap of faith, but when you've got good people uh, surrounding it, you've got the right motives and intentions and you're trying to do something that's good, uh, I think that leap of faith is, is well worth it. And, you know, I'd certainly encourage now a lot more of those commercial partners out there to jump on board and, and support not only, you know, professional women's basketball, but women's sport, because the upside for women's sport, it's a growth industry. You know, if I bring it back to business, it is a growth industry across the world and more and more people need to get behind it because if you do, you are going to enjoy the rewards and the success that come with it. Justin, I've got to be honest, I've got two uh, young kids and they are besotted with basketball, absolutely besotted. And we know that it is a hugely growing uh, sport in New Zealand and very popular. I went to a number of the Saints games, but I think, well, one thing that I see with my kids is that it's totally normalized for them to be watching uh, female uh, sport now as well. You know, be it, be it the cricket, be it the basketball, um, watching the, the NBA women's uh, uh side of the the competition and they enjoy it they love it but what what i want to ask you about the the women's league now is do they have the support wrapped around them to almost probably not yet look at it as a lifestyle choice but to actually be the best professional they can possibly be in the tournament yeah it's going a long way down that path you know i think you've wrapped that up and and surmised it really well i mean for the for the kids and the next generation it is normal you know, this this is this is what they're involved in. This is what they're immersed in. They're immersed in sport. It doesn't matter whether it's men's or women's sport. They're loving it. They want to be included. They want to be immersed in it. They want to go along with their friends and socialise and enjoy it. And you know, I, I think your words are really encouraging to hear. And more and more people need to think uh, and act like that and see what's happening in the community. And you know, it's really important that as we grow women's sport, we do so in a professional nature where we do you know, get around the players, provide a great environment, um, provide opportunities for great outcomes. And, 
you know, you, you know yourself that the, the life of an elite sports person, um, it's a window and it's a narrow window. And we need to make sure that we're doing more to provide great opportunities for athletes to get the most out of their career, to, to provide a great living and a great future, not only for them, but also for the future athletes coming through. And I think we're seeing that already in such a short amount of time in the Toihi, and it's onwards and upwards from here. Basketball's here to stay. It's not a sleeping giant anymore. I mean, the amount of times I've heard people talk about it being a sleeping giant. Oh, it's nonsense, Justin. It's, it's a big sport. <laughs> it's, a, it's a massive it sport already. It is. It, like yeah, 10 it years is. ago, I was, talking, I was talking about more people play basketball in, in schools. That was 10 years ago, right? Yeah, and, and we're now seeing it come to life, um, you know, here with our domestic leagues. Breakers have done a great job for 20 years, but how about the Sells NBL this season? Wow, what a year mm. that was. Mm. So competitive, so balanced, right. so much fun. And we're having it with the Toe here as well. I mean, basketball's here to stay, and it's a lot of fun. Before we actually talk the nuts and bolts of the action on the court and, and the final itself, the grand final itself, you talked, and you wrote very nicely about the, the, the two-year journey. Um, from the original phone call, and I highly recommend people go read it for themselves uh, over at Stuff. But what was what was the most difficult element over those two years from the phone call to it becoming a reality? I think the most difficult element with changing something is change itself. People actually accepting that you need to go in a different direction. You, you need to support people who can innovate. Find people with vision and innovation and support them and listen to them and look at things through a different lens because today's world uh, in the sporting or the business of sport is completely different to what we grew up with. People are consuming it differently. Just stand at a bus stop or go to a train station or you know, sit around a, a shopping centre. Everyone's on their phones. They're just consuming things differently. So you know, the greatest challenge is change itself. People grow up with what they think is right for sport. You see it in football codes. You see it in all sports. We're attached to the history and the past. And, yep, that's great. I respect the past, but I live in the future. And for me, change is always the hardest thing. But as soon as you get your head around it, as soon as you make that step into changing things, gee, massively good things come from it. Yeah, there's only one thing that's constant, and that's change. And you're, you're right, Justin. I mean, you need people, especially in this modern era with the, the young group and uh, generation coming through, where it needs to be exciting. We need to involve them in a way that they feel inclusive. But one thing that I really love about women's sport is that we know that women will actually be the decision makers of the house sometimes where their kids, uh, what's, what sport their kids play. So that actually puts the sport in a really good, um, it gives it a good future and strong future. Yeah, and look, the thing that I talk about and, 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 um, and preach all the time to anyone I talk about in the business of sport is the fans are the most important people. So make them central to every decision you make. If you switch off and you don't listen to your fans, you're doomed. You will fall away. You will diminish as a business the fans are the most important people because they're with you potentially for life from the moment they're born to the moment they leave us the fan can be with you for life fans relate to fans make them the central part of your business players come and go coaches come and go they have careers if you love your fan and you make sure they're central to your business 
they can be with you for life. And that is the most valuable asset you will have in the business of sport. Uh, to the action on the court, um, top to tail, was it of a high caliber? Was, it, uh, was there parity? How do you judge what you saw? In the Tahiti, yeah. Look, I think first year, really, really good. I mean, the, the elevation of the game itself, of the product, of the talent on the floor has been amazing. I mean, we've got WNBA drafted players running around. We've got Tall Ferns coming yeah. home and playing for the first time. Michaela Cox, first time in 14 years she's come home as a Kiwi and played basketball here because she's now got something to play in. Um, amazing stories, amazing performances. And for tonight's grand final... You know, one thing I'm really pleased about is I think the best two teams have made it through to the grand final, and that's all you can ever ask for when you're supporting a competition. Okay, so what has separated these two sides? Who I think last time they met was, what, only two weeks ago? I think there was only one point in it. Now, I'm sure you're, you're hoping there's going to be a repeat of that come for the grand final itself. But what, why have these two been exceptional, I guess? Well, they've got star quality. I mean, Talia Tapia, you know, the Aussie... Wonder Kid, she's the second youngest uh, um, debutante in the Australian WNBL. She was only 15 years and 133 days old. I mean, that in itself tells you how good this young person is. Yeah, amazing. And she's been doing it for 10 years. I mean, Florencia Chagas, the Argentinian uh, for the Queens, she's been playing as a pro baller in Europe since the age of 15. She was drafted into the WNBA as a 20-year-old. She's only just turned 21. These are the talented players that we're now seeing play basketball here, and that's what we're going to see tonight on Sky Sport and on Prime. Uh, I can't wait for it. It is such uh, a huge matchup. Jamie Nard for the Queens, pick 13 in the WNBA draft just a few years ago. Here she is playing in New Zealand, and Kiwis, our young, talented players coming through the ranks, are getting to run up and down the floor with her and against her. I mean, that is just magic. Justin, does it give any of the players a, a real opportunity to be scouted for the American teams and the WNBA? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think it's only a matter of time before we see uh, an, another um, another woman, another Kiwi, uh, go and play in the WNBA. I mean, Megan Compain, um, you know, I'm with her now in, in, in Nelson. She's, she's on Sky with me tonight. And, you know, she's still the only Kiwi uh, that has played in the WNBA. That will change in the future. There'll be another, uh, you know, more male players as well. We all talk about Stephen Adams now, and there's going to be others in the future. There's more than 120 Kiwi kids in college right now playing basketball. Those numbers are going to explode over the next few years. Uh, and we're seeing those kids come through the ranks right now. And some of them are playing in Toihi. Uh, I've got no doubt we're going to hear a lot more about these young ladies in the future. How, how do the Queens and, and sort of the Kahu match up sort of stylistically? If you look at the X's and O's of, of the game tonight. Yeah, pretty even. Um, I, I think the uh, the Queens are a little bit bigger on the boards. They're a little bit stronger on the boards. Um, inside presence is a little bit better. But then you've got that three-guard front for the, for the Kahu, Michaela Cox, uh, of course, just a, a tall fern legend, still going at 36 and playing as good as she ever has. Uh, Talia Tapai and Crystal Ledger Walker, young gun who yesterday uh, it was announced that she signed a contract with the Townsville Fire in the Australian WNBL. So more great news for Kiwis uh, along that path to uh, to building their career. Their three guard front is the best in the competition. 
Um, so yeah, they've, they've they've got some nuances, they've got some some subtle differences, but at the end of the day, both of these teams have got star power, and we're going to see that tonight. What's the vision five, ten years down the line? Teams for a start, expansion. It, it's a small group. You, it's probably the prudent approach to start off with, but what's the longer term vision about how big this could yeah, be? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think the thing that I'm most proud of right now, having been in New Zealand for nearly four years, is people can now see this basketball vision that maybe four years ago they just thought it was a crazy Australian, you know, coming over and, mm. and uh, you know, with that brash attitude. And we're starting to see this vision come to life for basketball now, both in the men and, and certainly now the women. Five teams to Ihi this year. I think it can get to eight in, in the next three to five years, I think the next step is to get to six and then maybe add a couple from that. It doesn't need to be any bigger than that. The depth is growing. Um, it's now seen globally through FIBA. So all of these games can be viewed anywhere around the world. Um, you know, I've had some preliminary numbers on viewership through FIBA uh, this season of Kiwi basketball, and it's in the millions. So a lot of people are watching New Zealand basketball. Uh, and I think the women's competition, Taihi, Eight teams, for me, is where you need to get to. I think that'll happen in the next three to five years. But it's important to, be, you know, to build it step by step. Really good first season. We're halfway to first base. We're certainly nowhere near rounding third base yet. We need to get more commercial support. We need more businesses investing in basketball. Sky's going to continue to show it. Uh, it's, it's a process. We're building it, and it's a good product. Justin, you've been here four years now, so you're a Tall Blacks fan. You'll be happy with how they're going in the Asian group qualifiers. Yeah, really well. Um, looking strong, and they've got Jordan to come next week. Uh, and the depth of the Tall Blacks is growing. I mean, I think in the past, you, you sort of look at it as an outsider, um, and you think, yeah, you know, maybe 12 to 15 players, who's going to make the team now? There's probably 30 players on the list of names for Perro Cameron. Um, what an exciting opportunity for the Tall Blacks going forward. And they're going to continue to be a force. Um, they're going to continue to be a strength going uh, going into these future competitions in Asia and also globally as well. Keep an eye on them. Um, you know, well and truly, for, for a nation of 5 million people, Kiwis are, are batting well, beloved, uh, well above their weight when it comes to basketball. And I think there's some exciting times ahead. Just an exciting night ahead. Uh, we'll let you, um, you know, get focused on that. Thanks so much for, for sharing the story of this debut season um, and good luck for the showpiece tonight. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Justin. Hey, really appreciate your time this morning, guys. Good on you. Take it easy. Uh, Justin Nelson, of course, uh, who right from the very outset, um, you know, heavily involved in uh, helping this get off the ground now, um, falling with Sky Sport, of course, a part of the SCNZ family too. Yeah, a couple of things I got from Justin's chat, and one is obviously his passion for the, the women's game and how important that is um, within any sporting organisation now to have, you know, obviously your men and women's game, but how you actually grow that to then become professional. But also, he said, if you're not looking after your fans as a sports organisation, you're going to die pretty slowly. It's going to be that slow death, and I totally agree with him. I look at a lot of sporting events I go to, and I, I know I've been banging on about going to the Saints NBL, but what a day that is. It's a great well, day just, for I'm kids. I'm just really sad that you've... How long have you been in Wellington? Uh, 19 years. 19 years. It's taking yeah. a long time to actually figure it out. Yeah. No, but, I mean, that is a great sporting it's event. It's an amazing sport. I've been to cricket events. I've been to rugby events. And 
I think like if you can bring families together, make it a family affair, get the kids involved, and it's not so much the, the product on the field or on the court, it's outside of it. What, can, what sort of entertainment can you, you give them that actually makes them want to come back again? Because if your kids say, I want to go to the game, well, as a family, you'll go to the game. Now, 21 minutes away from 11 o'clock. No, it's not. It's after 11. It's 21 minutes away from 12. 21 minutes away from 12. We will take a break. Stay with us. This is the Saturday session. Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis. We'll be back after that. 16 minutes away from 12 o'clock. Yes, I can tell the time accurately from time to time. Grant Elliott alongside me, Daniel McCarty. Coming up after 12 o'clock, our Saturday session legend segment in association with Somerset. We're going to talk legendary. Ramphilly Shield performance by a team who is challenging for the Ramphilly Shield this weekend, Grant. North Harbour, who have an illustrious history, as you would know when you spoke to Richard Turner last year. If an I'm... illustrious history of generally losing in the Ramphilly Shield. Didn't I ask him, I said, how did you go in yeah. the Ramphilly Shield? I was like, Ooh, you yeah, you mean, oh, Richard Niggly, Turner, the early on. Lost three, had three Shield challenges in a year, a pot of Oh, I didn't know. Well, you should have done your research. Yeah. You should have done your research. Adrian Donald's going to join us uh, to talk about the 2006, the successful challenge against Canterbury. I'll tell you who I want to speak to. I'd love to speak to the Shield itself, if that could tell some stories. I think every sports journalist around New Zealand would love to book that exclusive. <laughs> that be. would be earth-shattering. Yeah. Wouldn't it just? The story. <laughs> we should put a GoPro on it. Okay. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> put a GoPro on the Shield the and see how it goes. Hey, how are the Black Caps going to go, Grant, in Australia? Can you get your thoughts on the squad that was announced? We'll um, preview the series uh, in more detail next weekend. Uh, Williamson, Allen, Bolt, Bracewell, Conway, Ferguson, Guptill, Henry, Latham, Mitchell, Nisham, Phillips, Sander, Sears, mm-hmm. and Salvi. Yep. So Sears and Matt Henry have been called in. Um, obviously, uh, Trent Bolt holds his spot. He um, drops out. Yep. He makes way. Yep. And Carl Jamieson's out with a back injury. Adam Milne wasn't considered due to his Achilles injury. So I think Ben Sears is obviously um, the surprise inclusion, but that's that's really positive. He's got gas. He has got gas. But also, if you want to test your gas out, you've got to test it uh, against Australia because they're used to gas. You know, their conditions, pitches. I how, have... qu- how quick is he? Because let's be fair, New Zealand cricket has a history of getting... A little bit excited about someone who bowls mm. a heavy ball, shall we say. I think he's definitely over 140, over 145 maybe at times. I don't know if he's quite 150 yet. When, when does it get to you and Chatfield underpants stage? <coughs> um, is it 150? Yeah, well. One, well, for you, was it a little bit lower? 125? <laughs> no. Now, 140s generally nippy, but you train for that. I think 150. When you get to that 150... And it's swinging, like if it's moving as well at 150, that's when you start get, getting that Ewan Chatfield jockstrap against Jeff Thompson. And it could become sporting memorabilia. We need, we need to play Survivor. Might, might do this in, in longer form next weekend, as I mentioned. But 15 down to 11. Are you, do, you, do you have a starting 11 in mind, or do you need some time over the weekend to, over the week to ruminate on that one? Um, like, does Trent Bolt on loan from the Mumbai Indians play? Yeah, well, probably, I, right? I think the, the big question that uh, New Zealand need to answer and the Black Caps need to answer in this series against Australia is, is not one of, okay, well, let's see where we're at um, with this new team. Because it is there's a couple of new names in there. 
But I think I'd love to see what that opening combination is going to be. Is it going to be Finn Allen and Martin Guptill? Or is it going to be the likes of Devin Conway um, who slots up? Because Kane Williamson didn't play in the, the last uh, one days in, in West Indies. So it was Finn Allen, it was Guptill, it was um, uh, Conway. Um, and, you know, Tom Latham is probably more middle order. You've got Glenn Phillips floating around. So the combinations of Kane and Devon, I think, is a, is a really interesting talking point. And as you thrust your team in front of me. Yeah, well, stick your neck out, mate. Come on. That's what I was suggesting. Look, ben France got the bat out showing good form. He's fired up for it. I've gone up to Allen, Williamson, Conway, Latham, Mitchell, Bracewell, Santner, Southey, Bolt, Ferguson. That's the 11, I think. They'll You've nailed it. That's our strongest team. However, the only thing I'd say is do you slip Conway into opening? Mm-hmm. And then perhaps get Nisham in there as a finisher. Um, and then that, that's the only real change. So that's there's why no Nichols is injured too. Who, what, who's, is he still the incumbent? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Is, if, if, someone, if someone knocks, if someone pulls out trees in this, this series, it could be a long road back for him. And we were watching it live. Finn Allen, that, that innings for him against West Indies in the second one day where he got 96 played on uh, was a big innings for him because... You've given someone the opportunity. He plays a totally different game to someone like Henry Nichols. I think Martin Guptill needs someone who can be explosive, take the pressure off Guptill so he feels like he can bat time and get himself in. Whenever Guptill feels like he needs to be the aggressor, I feel like he needs a bit of time before he goes. You know, he needs to bat that 20 overs, and then we know he can go really big. He's world class. He's got double hundreds in in, uh, one-day cricket. So I like that yin and that yang. So Finn Allen's a big moving piece and Jimmy Neesham down at the bottom of the, um, the order, so that lower middle order. So we've got a finisher. We've got a finisher in Bracewell. We've got a finisher in Neesham. And Neesham obviously offers maybe shared overs between him and Bracewell. Bracewell has become a really important part of this team because he bowls offspin. It's like our Glenn Maxwell in a way. Bats left-handed, can whack it at the uh, bottom. He's showed that he's got the class. I guess the test for Bracewell now will be pace. Pace and short deliveries in Cairns. And Cairns is generally a little bit slower and does take turn. And I played there. It's a bit dewy at night. Yeah, it's not as if we can go to the records and actually check out recent one-day internationals in Cairns. No. I think it's the first one in about 15, 16 years or something. And all three are there. Yeah, and yeah. all three are there. And SCNZ will have coverage. Of course we will. Of those. Uh, with Grant Elliott uh, and myself and some Australian commentators. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Ten away from a, from twelve o'clock. Back up for them. Six away from twelve o'clock. Oof, stress telling the time. It hasn't been stressful. It's been uh, a great show. I've had a mixed bag for telling the time uh, this morning. Uh, double eight double three is our text line. Um, Grant Elliott at the top of this hour talked about um, how all his supposed mates have been hitting him up over the last couple of weeks to get his large, cat, large catchment of sporting memorabilia. He talked about his uh, pride and joys, which is Sir Vivian Richards signed, holding the bat after his uh, 63-ball 100 or something absurd against um, England, wasn't it? Yeah. Back in England. We want to know your favourite bit of sporting memorabilia that you have at home. Someone sent in the signed ball from the 87 squad. He, he didn't text us back when he said, how much? Signed shirt from Pele. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon, there was a signed shirt from Pele. We want to know your favourite sporting memorabilia that you are in possession of. Uh, go on, let us know, Double eight, double three. Our Saturday Session Legend segment in association with Somerset. 
think Legendary Care, think Somerset Retirement Villages will lead us off in the next hour. It is Ran Furley Shield action this weekend. Hawks Bay up against um, North Harbour. Harbour's only one at once. Does that mean we talk now? Yeah, we're on. Are we on? Sorry, we I, was, are I thought live. we were waiting for Red light. Oh, my, my humble apologies. I really should listen to our producer, Ben Francis, who's done an immaculate job this week. And, I'm, and this is me being sincere, setting up the show, whipping down to Hamilton, uh, covering the darts, getting back in time, uh, being an utter pro. Uh, Grant, you could take a big leaf out of his <laughs> Thank you, Ben. That's all I can say. Thanks for putting the show together. <laughs> Holding us together. Yeah. Uh, at this time, we're not at this time. We, we've, promote, we've promoted this segment slightly up the order, but a big uh, feature of the uh, final hour of the Saturday session on SENZ uh, is our Saturday session at Legends, as we talk to athletes, and coaches, and administrators um, about their, not only their individual careers, but uh, seasons, particular games. Uh, we've been able to sort of scratch the surface and dig quite deep on a number of these uh, topics um, over the last uh, few months, Grant, and it will continue for the remainder of the year. Today, today is uh, a big day for North Harbour Rugby. They're up against uh, Hawke's Bay. Um, now he says today he uh, recognises he hasn't actually checked the drawer. Is it, is, it is today? It is today. Uh, they're uh, looking to take the log of wood, the Ranfilly Shield off Hawke's Bay, uh, North Harbour. It would be just for the second time in their history, which dates back to 1986, off the top of my head. It's not a whole heap of winning, is it, Grant? It's incredible, but it's also, I know that it's such a proud piece of history. When I arrived in New Zealand, you obviously you had the Curry Cup in South Africa, but the Ranfilly Shield is, it was almost one of the most spoken about sort of, um, uh, I guess, trophies. Well, it's in truly Zealand. unique in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The whole challenging for it. it. You know, you have your competition, the Ramfilly Shield, you know, amazing history. I, I'm 43 years young now. I've only, you know, I, I grew up on the North Shore. I was a Harbour fan for many, many years. Uh, went through a lot of pain with them, moved to Wellington, <laughs> didn't change much there. I've only lived um, in a city that's held the Shield once in my whole life. And over carry- about, and I think there was only six or seven weeks it is hard to, to sometimes get a shot, sometimes harder to take that. Well, North Harbour had success in 2006, so we're going to dig a little bit deeper on the one time they actually did have success. I'm sorry, Hawks Bay fans. You've been so selfish and had it so long over the years, um, hard to pick out one single game. Uh, Adrian Donald joins us. He is not only CEO of North Harbour Rugby, he played in the game against the mighty Canterbury in 2006. And in fact, Adrian, thanks so much for joining us here on the Saturday session. It's why you got the CEO job, right? You're like, I was there yeah. when we had our best day as, as, a, as a rugby union. Yeah, something like that. Um, definitely uh, <laughs> was part of, my, part of my pitch, part of my pitch to the board and the chair that looked at uh, getting, the, getting the role. You know? Well, congratulations on that role. I think it is your first season. Um, I hope, it, hope it's going well. Um, but thanks so much for joining us and taking a bit of a trip down memory lane to to review beating Canterbury in 2006. And Canterbury, Canterbury had been a bit of a hungus group, hadn't they? That They had held on to the Shield, I think, for at least a year, if not that, uh, if not longer than that. What are your memories of, you know, the week leading up to it? Did you really give your team much chance? Oh, I know the TAB didn't give us much chance. We were paying $12 uh, at the TAB. What? Um, so... Um, to, to sneer it off Canterbury at the time was pretty good. Um, what I remember about it, um, well, we, we were pretty fortunate enough. We, we had a number of All Blacks came back into the side um, that week. Um, Steve Hansen released uh, the likes of Tony Woodcock, Luke McAllister, um, and uh, so, you know, gave us a, a bit of a chance 
to, to have a crack at it, I suppose. Um, but we had a good, we had a really good bunch of guys that year. Um, we, we'd sort of like been building a, quite a good side for for a number of years. Like in 2004, we had a we had a pretty good side. Um, five was you know we we probably went, we were a bit unlucky a couple of times um, to to not push through into a, a semi final or well we played Auckland in the semi final in 2004. We beat, beat Auckland, so we had a, we had a good basis of a good side. So it all just came together really. Um, in a couple of things went our way that day. Obviously we got a couple of intercept tries and um, yeah, everyone just fronted up. Adrian, great having you on the show. Uh, really appreciate it as our legend, legend segment. But leading up to... Uh, um, Daniel talks about that week leading up to the game. What was the captain's run like? Was there, when you look back at it, was there a feeling that, you know, this this is our time? Was there a feeling of excitement? It was no, there was no like big build up for us. Like um, we, we obviously knew the shield was was on on the line, and, and we gave ourselves a, a bit of a chance, but we didn't uh, we didn't we didn't um, make a massive big deal about it. Um, we we you know as I say gave ourselves a bit of a chance. We didn't really talk about it um, and put all the emphasis on it. Um, it was all really about our own performances, um, and that was you know, the, the Canberra side was a pretty good side. So. It was, it was quite unique, actually. Like, um, the there was a, an excitement. Probably was the, the, the key word of the boys just you know wanting to get up for each other. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite unique, you know. So I mean, I've been in sides where we're focused on you know our game and we've you know been driven about that game. But um, yeah, it was, it was it was quite unique. It was just everyone was really excited about getting up for it. Yeah. Anyone give a, a, a you know deliver a high powered table thumping speech um or is it a bit of a blur those sort of you know moments leading up to actual kickoff no no, no that's a that's a funny thing was it was no um, big focus on winning the shield um it was more around like our own personal performances it's quite it's quite uh ironic when you when you think about it you know everyone was just keen on just getting up and doing their thing so there's no big motivation speech or anything like that so how how good was that Canterbury team? Um, do you remember the names? Because I, I do remember their streak of winning the Shield in 2000, holding it on to it for all of 2001. Um, I think all of 2002, lost it in 2003, got it back um, in 2004, and then we're on another quite a long streak when they actually uh, took on um, uh, your side in September of 2006 at uh, Jade Stadium. May it rest in peace. Um the names right across the park, there were some pretty big ones, weren't there? Yeah, no, there was some, for, for our side, there was some, some big names. Obviously, we had uh, Tony Woodcock um, come back into the, from the all-black environment. Uh, Greg Rawlinson, Anthony Borick, um, both all-blacks at the time. Um, Nick Williams, um, Luke McAllister, uh, Rudy Wolfe. Uh, who else? Rua Tapoki, um, Viliamu Wangan Sadurdor, Jonah Lomu, he's on the bench. Um, rest in peace. Yes, it was a pretty good side. It was a pretty, pretty good, comprehensive side. Good characters in there, I tell you. And you would have had to have been near your game because Canterbury, with a record like that at home, uh, are, are not easy to beat. What are your memories of the game? Can you, can you, do you remember the first scoring play or first try of the uh, game? Yeah, I'm not sure how well that play, went because uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure you were gets, a, gets, a, gets an intercept and uh, and, and goes the length. Uh, next scoring play, I. Um, the Muratapoki gets an intercept for off, uh, coming off, goes uh, 80 metres. So, yeah, we're up 14-0 pretty quickly. 
Um, pretty tough day at the office. Canterbury, Canterbury had a massive pack and they, they played pretty well. And then um, late in the piece, about uh, 15 minutes ago, Wonga Sadudua goes down the right-hand side and uh, beats um, Scott Hamilton, scores a brilliant try, basically a solo try. Um, and, yeah, that put us out. McAllister nails, nails it from the sideline and puts us out by four. So 21-17. And, um, yeah, that was the, obviously Canterbury smashed away at for us about uh, 15 minutes. But, you know, obviously went for this. They needed five points to, to, to win it sort of thing. So, Adrian, I, I saw at halftime Canterbury scored a try just before halftime to take the lead. And we've heard some fascinating halftime rev-up chats where one of the coaches in uh, uh, r- rugby league actually played a fake um, commentary on a tape that he made, uh, which was subsequently thrown to the ground and smashed and stopped. That, that speech was stopped pretty uh, abruptly, and then a senior player got up and, and gave a bit of a rev-up. Was there any rev-up at halftime when Canterbury took the lead? Um. I've probably got an Alan Pollock special at halftime that we're in the game, and you know, Willan Yalovich was the forwards coach. He was, he was, you know, cool as a cucumber leader. Just, uh, yeah. So that was good. No, no, nothing uh, you know, too, too over the top. Uh, no one bagged you out for throwing an intercepted lead to Scott Hamilton's try. I, I, I noticed you left that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mossy, to, I threw the intercept to give it to Mossy to a lead. He actually he called for it. He he called for it. So we'd played Blues Development earlier in the season, um, or the year before, sort of thing. And um, yeah, so he was like calling my name, and I passed it to him. Uh, yeah, I was trying to leave that one out, but uh, it's all good. <laughs> you knew we were going to bring it up, but but you hold on. Yeah. Canary attack, attack, attack. You hold on. The whistle goes. You, you finally win it. Uh, what are your memories of the immediate aftermath? The, the presentation, oh, the, the, the first few hours of, of you and your teammates having done something no North Harbour side had done before. Oh, it was pretty special. Um, it was it was just amazing, just the the feeling, the the great feeling of it. It was it was just brilliant, and um, yeah, it was, it was, it was obviously we got, came back to um, the the Poanamu when we, we flew back in, and and um, just every, all the well wishes there. The Po was just packed and. I remember yeah. I was working for Lion Nathan at the time, and my my boss at the time said, "Don't worry about it. We'll just sort it out. We'll sort out the bill." So the the week was a bit of a party week, and uh, it was a big blur. Now, one of the things we've spoken about, Adrian, this is my favourite part of talking about competitions and winning trophies. I mean, it's not a trophy that you can actually put anything in. What's well, a shield for but, a star grant? Yeah, mm. um, but surely if that trophy could could talk, I mean, did, was anything slid off the trophy? <laughs> Daniel McCarty wants to put a little GoPro in there yeah. that can maybe tell stories for the future. Did, did the trophy, did the shield end up in bed with someone that night? Um, like BJ Watling slept with the mace when they won the uh, World Test Championship. Um, do you remember any yeah. stories about the shield? Um, no. Well, the shield got was we got it out to the community, which is massive. So um, you know, went to schools. Everyone got to take it home. Like all the players that That's played awesome. with it took it home. It was it was it's an amazing thing and you know just the the, the fever around it it's pretty cool so um, uh, I don't recall anything being um, substances going off it or anything like that but I'm sure some good stories to tell yeah there's yeah thankfully um, you know people weren't putting everything to Instagram and 
you know, sending messages, WhatsApp, as, as we've seen in the last few years. Uh, very, very expertly done. I think you've got a career in administration, with, with, with the G-rated uh, version, <laughs> version of, of what yeah. went on. Um, <laughs> what, what, where, where do you sense the importance of the Ramfurly Shielders in 2022? Oh, it's, it's massively important. And speaking of the importance, I'm going to have to hop on a bus and, and go to the game. So I'm going to have to cut the short, guys, unfortunately, because the bus is just about to leave. No, no, I'd hate for you to miss the bus, CEO. That was our last question anyway, so we're not missing out too much. Adrian, thanks so much for, for joining us, reminiscing, and good luck to your troop this time around. Thanks a lot, Adrian. Good luck. Okay, thanks. Bye. Look at that. On the team bus, he's fizzed. Oh, I thought he was taking the public bus. I was like, oh, that's, that's really humble. You think the CEO of North Harbour well, is going to jump like, on, a, on, a, on public transport? I was today. like, the humility, that's awesome. He's getting, on, he's he's the team he's bus. getting on the team I bus. Know, the I last thing he thinking. wants to, to hear is... Imagine that. Yeah. Travelling with talk, everyone. Talking about 2006. Sorry, he wandered, <laughs> wanders past his team in 2022. Look at our CEO living in the past. So living the, in the past. Not letting go his wonderful record. But hang on, this is his first year as CEO, you said, and he could bring the Ranfurly Shield back. I mean, that's an incredible story, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and then he can commission a statute of himself. <laughs> so winning it 16 years ago, first year as CEO, and in his pitch, when he got the job, he said, you know what I'll do? I'll bring the Ranfurly Shield back. I do love how his memory's uh, particularly sharp at the game. Um, the Shield... Harbour won the Shield for the first time in 11 attempts in 21 years of history. Um, they successfully um, won it off Canterbury, 21 points to 17. It was the last Shield challenge of 2006, so they had it for summer too, so they were really able to, uh, to take it around. Took it to Ben Francis's school, I think. Crikey, the thought of Ben Francis at school. What, what year are we talking about here? 2006, where I would have been, how old was I, 10, I think, maybe? Ooh, oh. on that right jerk stage of our lives, 10-year-olds. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I was a well-behaved child. Intermediate, intermediate. No, but I'm generally saying, you know, inter- kids at intermediate age are a little bit annoying. Sorry, kids, if you're at intermediate, you, your parents probably nodding, <laughs> probably nodding right now, going, yeah, d- he speaks the, he's speaking the truth. Did, did did you remember it? It was quite vivid memory of the Rand Furley Shield. Ben, did you know what was going on at that time? Oh, yeah, I think, well, because back then, I guess, the provincial rugby, you know, you had lots of All Blacks in there, so it was taken a bit more seriously than it is now. And yeah. a, couple, a couple of the players came in, and uh, the class got to have a photo with it. Uh, I probably still have a photo of it somewhere in the little photo drawer at my parents' place. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I remember it quite vividly with the Shield coming, coming to the school after they won it. And I think when they lost it, uh, might have been to like Waikato, and then Waikato lost it like a week later. Oh, they got hammered. They got hammered by Waikato in 2007, didn't they? Absolutely hammered and, and lost it. Um, I'm trying to bring out the results. 52 points to seven. Um, and then Waikato turned around um, and lost it in the shortest tenure. Uh, and guess who they lost it to? Canterbury. Of course. <laughs> it's always Canterbury. But that's the beauty of this competition. You can't guarantee you're going to get a shot. So who who plays... So I try to bring out the fixtures. But surely it wide, wide, widely also hangs on whether the All Blacks are back or not and allowed to play well, nowadays. Less, less so these days. Yeah. Because they're not um, you know, free to as much. And you look back out and the significance of the competition and the Ranfley Shield back then, the crowds they were getting. Mm. You know, 2004, I think that was when Bay of Plenty upset Auckland. That was an amazing, amazing day, amazing game of rugby.
uh, and a huge crowd. So I'm just, uh, I've got the current draw. So Harbour up against Hawke's Bay from five past two this afternoon. So that's why uh, Adrian had to get on because they're actually going to the ground. Um, uh, so you can tell he was a little bit distracted. Um, and then the following week, so if, if uh, North Harbour win it, guess who their next game is against? Canterbury. Oh, no. But it's away from home. So tough luck, Canterbury. Um, you will not be uh, winning the round for the shield off Hawks Bay. Uh, it's, of course, just for home games. So I've got to scroll down and actually find the next. Uh, Counties Monaco uh, would be next up on September 4th. Uh, so Counties fans will be paying particular attention to this game. It, it's just how it works, uh, Grant. Um, well, I wonder... as, far, as far as Hawks Bay, if Hawks Bay get the, uh, the chocolates, hold on to the shield for another week, which I'm sure Hawks Bay fans are utterly sure of. He scrolls down and tries to find Hawks Bay's next game. Might be against Southland. I'm just looking at TAB odds, and Hawks Bay are dollar fifty, North Harbour two dollars seventy. So they're not going in as favourite favourites. Well, well, they're not paying twelve dollars. Twelve dollars, he said, against Canterbury. Two thousand and uh, six, extraordinary stuff. We'll take a short break. Uh, huge thanks, Adrian Donald. All part of our Saturday session legend segment, legendary win for North Harbour back in two thousand six. They're up against Hawks Bay in a couple of hours. Uh, our Saturday session legends in association with Somerset think new friends, new laughs and a new home think Somerset Retirement Villages somerset.co.nz 21 minutes after 12 o'clock final hour of the show we'll catch up with uh, we won't catch up with the good oil team because we're actually going to take live racing Oh, a couple of do you want me to racing. call it? Um, on do behalf of the racing community of New Zealand and the world no thank you and away they go And that, yes the listeners would go away Dale out of the gates quickly. Oh, so you're going to name your horse Dale, but you won't name your dog Dale. Oh, well, Dale is fast. 150 k's an hour. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So we are going to head off uh, to uh, the race at uh, Awapuni. Jump. <laughs> it's jumping at uh, 29 minutes away from 1 o'clock, so 12.31, so not too far away. Uh, we'll try and get one more break before we actually head there. Um, and we've also got... Um, Tarapa race one at 10 to one. We'll take that as well. Uh, I had someone text in earlier, Grant, going, the Puma is on the Argentinian jersey, right? Triple question mark. Do Pumas like wet weather and cold Christchurch nights? Go the All Blacks. <laughs> Someone's obviously uh, picked up the ball and run with our thread of uh, the Squirrels v. Uh, cheetah debate between 10 and 1 o'clock. If you uh, missed out, well, mate, you've missed, you've missed, you've, I can't believe what you've missed. Extraordinary radio it was. Um, the upshot has been in the West African country wants to change their team nickname from Squirrels to Cheetahs, and granted, I uh, are outraged. I don't think I've been as ever as angry as I have been. Well, we just don't think they did their homework before changing the national animal of their sporting team. But but to the question about the Pumas, I must admit I'm not as au fait uh, with the Pumas as I am with Squirrels, of course. I do know that uh, they live in a, a wide variety of habitats, so they're, they're very adaptable, the Pumas. Um, yeah, so you would think they would handle the, the weather conditions well. Um, and unlike the cheetahs, they're not lazy um, and don't eat this pumba. Uh, they are willing to eat deer, pigs, sheep, capybaras, which are the animal of my nightmare, a rodent that is that big that runs that fast. Uh, no thanks. Armadillos. Uh, they're also known to hunt um, even larger prey. Um, some larger cats even bring down animals as big as a moose or an elk. Okay, so as okay. a human, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in tr- you're in trouble. Yeah. So you you want to see a you want to see a puma. You want to see a cheetah over a puma. And generally, pumas are black, aren't they? So night. No, they're um the one color, light colors. Okay, I thought they were 
I'm thinking of a panther. Yeah, you are. Funnily enough, a black panther uh, you are thinking of uh, there. Uh, There we have it. Um, So we won't catch up with the good oil, but we'll have the live racing for you. We'll have the uh, tips you probably should run a mile from. Uh, For those who might remember my tip from last week when I said I would uh, absolutely categorically, I would be calling Ricardo Ball. Yep. I do remember that. I did call Ricardo. Did you? To congratulate him. To ask him a favour, actually, and then just dropped him. (laughs) Well done. Yeah. Egg on my face. I was so sure of that result last week. You were. Yeah. You were, and you I know your football it. as well. I guaranteed it. What happened? Well, they were better than Liverpool for about 35 minutes and scored a goal and then hit us on the counter in the second. Devastating. Yeah, it was a little bit annoying. Why didn't you bring that up in your bad week, Liverpool, losing to Man U? Well, it could get worse, mate. We've got Bournemouth this weekend. <laughs> they lose to Bournemouth. I think they're going to be top of my list of, uh, you know, bad week. Good week for Everton. We're on the board. Yeah. But Ben and... Um, had to take the, the chocolates as far as having a bad week. Yeah. Getting rid of uh, the squirrels is, is their team nickname. Outrageous. Uh, we will take a short break. We are approaching 26 minutes after 12 o'clock. We're going to head off uh, to the races. Uh, racing now very shortly. Stay with us back after the short break. Uh, this is the Saturday session with Grant Elliott and myself, Daniel McCarty. We're about a minute away from heading to uh, Awapuni. Lane number four, race number one. Grant, you generally have all the hot tips. I do. In lieu of not speaking to the Good Oil team, are you prepared to offer the listener some good oil on this race? Well, Clado's really going to love honest. He's going to love me for this. Be honest. Do you have any good oil? Yeah, I clicked Easy Bet. <laughs> <laughs> and it told me that Miss Bell. Miss Bell for the win. Number six. New Orleans Jazz, number four yeah, for n- a place. It's the favorite. N- n- yeah. Uh, Soterio. I prefer number eight. I'm going I'm to go... Soterio is a very fast footballer for the Wellington Phoenix. Um, there you go. Yeah, so there's my hot tip. And I, I'm going with my mother, may God rest her soul, name recognition. Nice. Some name recognition. That's uh, my theory. So we are apparently uh, 15 seconds away from uh, race one at Awapuni. First of two races we will take through to one o'clock. Don't fear, the Good Oil team will be with you after one o'clock. Uh, we won't get to hear their dulcet tones, but right now, uh, let's cross to race number one at Awapuni. <laughs> You called it, Daniel McCarty. You absolutely called it. For a first time on SENZ Saturday session, we have racing live. And Daniel McCarty has given you the winner. It's not that difficult. Clado should invite you to the good oil. There he is. 21 minutes away from 1 o'clock. By popular demand, the the text line blew up when we said we're not catching up with Clado. They were like, why? Why not? Your time management skills is horrendous. You can fit him in. We luckily, Clado, luckily yeah. we asked, and Clado, he's the man of the people, and he responded. He appeared out of nowhere. Out of, out of nowhere. Straight from a seedy nightclub. <laughs> I was about to say, you, you're yeah. rocking the goatee. Yeah, what is it? It's a solid goatee. Pin? It's sort of, what, what would you call that early 1990s NRL goatee? Nah, probably seedy nightclub goatee. <laughs> <laughs> You, you've well, never been into a seedy nightclub in your life. Oh, mate. yeah, till about 6 o'clock this morning. But uh, there's another story. But, uh, yeah, Louis didn't approve of it last week, so I thought I'd better get rid of it by this week because we're going to be on track at uh, Tarapa. So I was just trimming a little bit off every day, just trying to make myself look a bit, you know, more handsome and didn't work. Who are you and... trying to style it on? Who are you styling it on? Uh, there's a greyhound trainer called Malcolm Grant. If you've ever seen him down at Christchurch, he has got like a white plate hanging off his chin. It is absolutely stunning. 
So look up M. So M. Grant, trains at Lowcliffe, I think it is, but he's got the most stunning goatee going on underneath his chin. So this is a long journey for you, John Mitchell. Embrace your John Mitchell, Um, Uh, This is a long journey for you. You're going to grow this one out. You're going to grow this one out. And and don't take any crap from Herman Waddy. He can't grow any facial hair. You're true, true. uh... Yeah, he's he's just jealous. (laughs) Hey, uh, Clayton, this this tipping winners stuff's pretty easy. You have the easiest job in radio, don't you? I'm one from one. Did you tip the winner of the first? Yeah. All oh, over it. He Chris was all Dale over it, and he started day. wagging his finger in my face, Clado. But he didn't put any money on it. What you uh, should have done to Dale Stain, mate. <laughs> You'll be <laughs> you pleased. You should have rubbed the salt <laughs> under the wound. You shouldn't have picked him up. You shouldn't have extended the hand. It should have been a little McCarty wagging the finger. <laughs> well, you, Don't bowl there, Dale. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll be happy with me, Clado. I put a little easy bet on. <sighs> Yeah, did you get it? <laughs> well, I didn't know who to go for. I was confused, and I just well, we missed oh, it. Basically, you... we're, we're nothing without you, Clado. When it comes yeah, to yeah, we need your guidance yeah. and help. You, you, and you've got my number, you know, from the award-winning yep. Sunday session show from the two best-looking blokes on radio. <laughs> it's a hard it, act to follow. There is a there is a Sunday session show. It's just we're not on it. Did I say Sunday <laughs> again? Sad, yeah. Clearly, he got home quite late. Uh, what's coming up on your fine show, which is called The Good Oil, from 1 o'clock onwards on SCNZ, uh, Clado, if you're unaware? Well, funnily enough, speaking of Louis Herman Watt, he's my new co-host. And we're joined today by Group 1 winning trainer, real up-and-comer, Robert Wellwood. So they have all the form from Cambridge. So we should be in for a fill-up today on The Good Oil. And how's this, boys? You'll like this. The last race at Tarapa today. I'll let you... Get scrolling on your TAB site. Race eight at Tarapa, number four, is called. As they scramble away for their Google, their TAB accounts. Yeah, I am. I am. And we come up with, Ben knows it, it's not a Bashara horse. In fact, I met up with a couple of very elegant owners last night. Oh, my God. Anyway, have you found it No one likes name droppers, mate. Saturday session? I can't remember the name, but Saturday session. (laughs) (laughs) There is a horse. There's a horse. Oh, you've made my day. It's a horse called the Saturday session, clearly named after. after No. (laughs) Oh, dear. This is going to be a long show today. You still haven't (laughs) found it. it? No, we haven't. TAB.co.nz. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm in the TAB um, office here, and um, firewalls don't make it particularly easy. Uh, Yeah, that'd be right. Uh, Good oil. There's a horse called Good oil. And it's in today. Oh, nice. Number f- Tarapa. Race four. Race eight, number four. Race eight, number four, Tarapa. It's a long four way away. <laughs> uh, I'd like to know uh, the order you would eat um, what the Argentinians eat, uh, ate during the week, Clayton. Did you hear this? They had a whole lamb, which is between 25 to 30 kilos. They had 60 to 70 chorizo sausages and around 50 kgs of beef and around 20 kgs of chicken and pork. Oh, okay, lamb, then beef. Uh, yeah, then that'd be <laughs> enough for me. Yeah, and then put flag the chicken and pork. Oh, chicken. Oh, you try it. No, it's not. Throw right. a couple of chorizo sausages in there just at Depends the end. Depends how you spicy. Know. Brilliant. But no, lamb all, right, all the way for me. Thanks, guys. Great have show. A, again. Have a great show, mate. Thanks for, for joining us um, at, at the last moment. Uh, we're six minutes away, I think, from uh, race number one at Tirapa. Uh, jumping, we will cross to uh, that race um, in a few minutes' time. It looks like it's uh, going to start under sunshine. Um, it's a little bit um, overcast at uh, Awapuni. Uh, plenty of racing action to come here on SCNZ. I, I just want to shout out uh, to Serena Williams. Good luck, Serena Williams. 
heading into her final Grand Slam singles event at uh, the US Open, 40 years young. She was winning singles titles back in 1999, Grant. What were you doing in 1999? 1999. I was 20 years old. I was probably just embarking on my first or second overseas trip uh, to England as an overseas professional. Mm. Um, you were probably watching The Sopranos for the first time. The Sopranos yeah. came out. Yeah. First season in 1999. You were probably dancing to Fatboy Slim's Praise You. Yes, I would have been. Our child of 1999. Um, the Matrix premiered. In 1999. Green pill or the blue pill, wasn't it? One, one of the tother. Uh, and some guy, Eminem, uh, announced himself. I listened to Eminem. I had the Eminem yeah, album. Yeah, I could, I could see you rocking yeah. Eminem. Uh, incredible, uh, incredible record. Yeah, she won um, the 1999 US Open against Martina Hingis. That takes you back, doesn't it? Martina Hingis um, and an incredible career for which uh, she currently stands just below Margaret Court. Um, and arguably the greatest ever tennis player, Serena Williams, uh, 23 singles titles in her career. You would think the way things have gone, she will f- ultimately finish one short, and I'm sure that's going to pain her for years and years because I think she's lost her last four Grand Slam singles finals. Um, and this is no way me uh, criticising her. It's, um, it's just luck of the draw, isn't it? Um, and she's lost four of... Um, the four last Grand Slam singles finals, last coming in 2019 at the US Open. Uh, whether or not she progresses to the second week through to the finals, I'm unsure. But uh, I just want to acknowledge what has been a, a quite amazing career. The the game is always bigger than the individual. But when you look at someone like Serena Williams, what she's given to the game as well, um, irrespective of how she finishes, I think she has created a real legacy, her and her sister. But to... Be at the top of your game for as long as she has is absolutely incredible. You watch these athletes that that carry on until uh, 40 plus. Um, It is a true reflection on their passion for the game, but also the hard work they put in. Because as you get older, you can't train as as hard as you used to. Um, You're a lot smarter, strategically better. You're a little bit slower, but um, an incredible career for her and. a great time to celebrate a career that she's had. And that's the time for, for celebration. Yeah, and, and despite me highlighting the fact she lost her f- last four Grand Slam singles finals, uh, she uh, had an overall record in uh, Grand Slam finals of 23-10. and 10. Wow. So, uh, in- incredible. When Chris Evert um, won 18 Grand Slam singles finals, but lost 16 finals too. Mm. So had 34 Grand Slam Finals appearances, most of all time. Serena Williams is second, uh, as far as the women are concerned. Uh, it's just an amazing career to, to go over one, two, three, four decades, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and we saw Andre Agassi, he dropped down to, what was it, like 500th in the world or something, and then got back up to number one. But she's just been relentlessly at the top of her game uh, during her whole career, so... Really outstanding, a testament to what an athlete she is. But I mean, the the mental capacity that you need around expectations when you go in as being one of the best, the expectations of you to perform wherever you are and whatever tournament you're in, um, you think that that would weigh heavily on them and they'd almost retire earlier. But she's must be very mentally strong um, and have um, all of those tools at her disposal to be able to, to play for as long as she has.
All right, Grant, in 60 seconds or less, let's whip around the table. Our sporting punts we should probably run a mile, or well, the listeners probably should oh. run a mile from before we actually cross to race number one at Tarapa, which is due to jump in 1 minute 48 seconds. Uh, yeah, I, I could go down the romantic path and, and try to offer some sort of, um, you know, Serena Williams will do, but I'll probably avoid that. Um, after last week's humiliation of guaranteeing a victory, mm-hmm. uh, I've been humbled, um, and I I could just go with the All Blacks to win head-to-head, paying a dollar eight. No, you've got to go better than that. No, they'll you've go 13 plus. You've got I'm to confident. give everyone something better. Yeah, I'll, I'll go uh, 20 point margin. Okay. All Blacks to beat Argentina by 20 points. Wow. Okay, so I am going to go. We've spoken about how we need the All Blacks to improve on attacking, and I think that they have to deliver for everyone to get behind them, even though it might be a little bit wet, we've heard with you. Um, I think that we're going to try and play a little bit of running rugby, and I think Rico Iwani is going to go over for the first try at $10. Just the first try? First try scorer, yeah. Okay, so Rico Iwani uh, paying 10 bucks. Ben Francis? I'm not Have going we got time op- for yours? I'm not going opposite to anyone this week, and I said this a couple of weeks ago on uh, one of Ricardo's shows, but my bet is I reckon North Harbour are taking the shield back north. Oh, nice, $2.70. Big call. Ben Francis, they're outside. It's certainly not outsiders like they were in 2006 when they are paying 12 bucks. It's <laughs> $2.70. Extraordinary stuff. And then they're almost ready to go. Race number one at Tirapa. Uh, let's cross to our crew, and here's the call. Well, that was a tight one. Looks like photos for first, second, and third. Uh, so we will uh, await the official result of that one. She's Seamus. I, I think might have just had the edge down the inside. Oh my word! Well, uh, the one, the horse that you chose. Well, I chose two. You chose number eleven. I just, it's, <laughs> I don't know. We need another TV screen to work out what happened. I, I think it's getting in um, Clado's Uber from last night. <laughs> <laughs> really struggled. So you get you one from two. Yeah. You I've were, gone from the, the penthouse to the outhouse. Yeah, you were very confident. You thought it was an easy game. But you know what? Just like I said with Serena Williams, the sport is always bigger than the individual. And horse racing has shown you. I yeah, still had my finger-wagging wag. moment, Grant, and it was magnificent. It's never a good sign when uh, your jockey pulls up about, with about 500 to go. <laughs> <laughs> but nah. All right, there we go. Look at the, the back. Magnificent. Magnificent. But that was uh, very tight. So uh, Clado and the crew will have uh, those details, I'm sure, uh, once they become official. But uh, they were stretch out right across the track as they uh, across the line. You want to call a race, don't you, next week? I do. I think. No. I think. No. That no. We, ask we would never if we do that. Call to, a race. We'll never do that to the audience. We just need a little bit of um, background sound just to make it sound authentic. You mean like? The Holy Grail, Monty Python's Holy Grail. Should I bring the coconuts next week? <laughs> I'll bring the coconuts next week, and you can call a race. Is that a deal? <laughs> I think I we should play Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Can you rock that down? Because we've still got two minutes to fill to the top of the show. I'd like to hear Clado call a race with us. We could practice that. I think Clado can see the names today. <laughs> Six. You don't want to hear that. Six. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear that. A six o'clock finish. Brilliant stuff. All right, uh, Grant, uh, really enjoyable. Uh, it's been it's been good fun today, isn't it? Yeah, I think that the highlight for me was the squirrel versus the cheetah. <laughs> we've actually, we've totally um, smashed their philosophy on cheetahs are better than squirrels and a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. No. And, uh, you know, the, the underappreciated squirrel. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Also touched um, on some interesting, serious did. sporting we, moments, yeah. too. 
Yeah, well, we know that the, the All Blacks are winning. It's just about how much. We've By 20. Experts on our I've show. T- I've told you that, 20. So Ben Francis is putting 20 bucks on Argentina to win by 13 plus the way I've been going recently. And then Adrian Donald, first year as CEO, won the Ranfurly Shield back in 2006, 16 years ago, and he's hopping on a bus, cut us short, which is fair enough, to hop on the bus to go and win the Ranfurly Shield again for North Harbour, which Ben Francis said, that's a sure bet. Well, I I didn't get to the last question I wanted to ask Adrian. Are they going to bring back the great song from a... Middle late eighties, might be eighty six. Breakaway North Harbour. You remember how? If anyone's got that on cassette, can uh, you send that to SCNZ? I would love to hear that song again. That's that's my childhood right there. My huge thanks to Grant and to Ben Francis. Cloud on the crew are up next. Have a great afternoon, team. Ta da! Bye bye. Ta da, team. Thanks, Ben Francis. Thanks to the listeners, and thank you, Daniel. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.